So I sent an email to David, and I said, you know, I'm going up to the Twin Peaks Fest, and, you know, the last couple of years you've given me a little message to give to the fans. And so he said, okay, let me think about it. And then I got this email back, you know, of course the top, David Lynch. Dear Charlotte, try this. <laughs> In quotes. Does one chair lead to another? Question mark. Close quote. Wishing you all the best, Charlotte. Have fun at the festival like David. edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kazaska, and beside me is Ben Durant. Ben, how are you? I am great. i well-rested <laughs> after our Twin Peaks festival that we were at. Yeah, I'm still going through um, withdrawal. Like, I really wish I could close my eyes and go back to Washington. Yeah, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that were there are kind of going through withdrawal. I'm still yeah. on a high. Like, I'm still, like, kind of, like, just enjoying it and still just... Thinking about it and how much fun we had. It was such a good time. It was the most amazing thing ever. I can't even compare it to anything. (laughs) It was just so good. Right. You're right. I had a blast. Yeah. So we started off with Charlotte Stewart there. She was reading from David Lynch. Like, you know, David Lynch always shares something with the the fest people there. And that was his little uh, (laughs) insight. Yeah. And it's interesting. One chair leads to another. I like that a lot because I feel like we might understand that major briggs's chair mm. is leading to jack rabbits chair a exactly chair? Right. if what if there's a chair of jack rabbits maybe maybe one chair leads to another i like it um if you want to see the whole thing the q a is posted on our youtube page um you just go to youtube google us you'll find it um the whole q a is up people are really digging it we went Facebook Live with it. It was really cool, really something uh, worth sharing. I mean, it's so cool. Everybody gets to see it. Awesome. And so Sherilyn Fenn was in last week's part. Yes. So the episode that we had to... Um, it was our lost show. Yeah, it was our lost, lost show. show. We'll say that. Sherilyn Fenn I, I lost it. I couldn't find the MP3. <laughs> we couldn't find it for months or whatever, but it's we've discovered it. We've... We found it in our vault. and we I made... think it was on a thumb drive with the owl ring on it, and it just appeared out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. But I think that was – we probably could have – we could have had it out at the beginning of the of this series. But I yeah. like the idea with Sherilyn Fenn making her appearance. Why not bring it out? I think that was a great interview we had with her where she shares a lot about – we got to hear about her own personal life, and we got to talk about Boxing Helena. We got to talk about Wild at Heart and, of course, Twin Peaks. So yeah. we, we got a lot. And – in the interview, she does say the part that was written for her is amazing. And 
you know, we all were bewildered in besides ourselves when we saw her appearance. We're mm-hmm. like, what are we seeing here? And I trust what she says that this is going to unfold to something to be really cool. And I think this week proved to a lot of us that our theories are somewhat correct. Yeah. I, yeah. It's more than what, yeah, it's not yeah. what it seems, right? Yeah. And I agree. I, I don't know how much that really showed in last week's show, but I didn't love part 12. I think not a, lot, a lot of people did. I think not a lot of it was did. Sherilyn Fenn. I mean, it's funny because I rewatched it and there are a lot of great scenes. I mean, I enjoyed the whole mm-hmm. Blue Rose task force and there were things I liked, but it, something didn't work for me. And I think when I saw Sherilyn Fenn, I thought she did an amazing performance, but I didn't like where where she was placed and what was going on in that scene. And I think I was reassured by other fans to say, "Hey, I don't think it's what we think it is." And and now I'm I'm almost you know positive. Yes. I mean, there's no. Yeah. Rewatching that episode before this one, mm. um, I have to say, the episode was pretty good. Last last week's wasn't that bad. I mean. I think because sometimes when you see it for the first time in your initial reaction, it's like, oh, God, what are they doing with this? And then you watch it again. You're like, I was more, I'm like, that wasn't that bad. It had some fluff, but overall wasn't bad. I I think Lynch was fucking with us, though, in part 12. You think so? He was. We had had Dougie Cooper getting hit by a ball, and that was it. That was hilarious. It was hilarious, and I loved it, and we all laughed that we were watching it. (laughs) But it was like... Oh, that's all we're going to get of him. And then Sherilyn Fenton, we've been waiting 25 years, and they they knew what they were doing. They knew that we weren't going to know what was going on, and I really felt like they were playing games with us. But this is David Lynch, man. And that's what he does. This is what he does. And I'm I'm used to that. But also, if if we look at it in context of an 18-hour movie, if this was plopped to – if this was given to us Netflix style, none of us – we would have watched this unfold in a matter of hours and been okay with it. Well, sure. well, I don't know. I, I don't know the outcome, so I can't say if we're going to be okay with it. But we wouldn't be as heartbroken. But because we have to wait week by week, I think that heartbreak set in when we were like, "Is this the? Is this what happened to Audrey?" You know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if this was a movie, different story. And this is presented as an eighteen-hour movie, just kind of cut up at different parts. Right. So. Two different angles looking at this, so... And again, yeah. I rewatched it, and it was better. I think so, too. And, and, and there was things I liked about it. Again, it was just... It was there was something not quite right. Yeah. Now, saying that, we're about to get to part 13, which yeah. I like a lot more. Yes, very good. But before we get into that, I think a lot of our friends have been saying stuff like this, and I feel like it's our time, maybe at least for me to say, I feel like this series is not in chronological order. And then, I mean, there was a taste of that, and I think we felt that way, like, you know, from even from the beginning, when mm. the first thing we saw in part one was... Cooper and not the giant talking in that black and white scene. It felt like that could have been the end of the show or it could have been somewhere else. It didn't feel is this like the future or is this future? the past? Yes. Right. But I feel like I feel like now you know rewatching stuff, looking at stuff is like, "Oh no, there is a lot of stuff going on here that is not in order." And here's here's my proof. I mean, I wanted to bring this up before we got into the episode or the part because I think we're going to talk more about that as we go along in this yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here we go. So last week in part 12, Sonny Jim Jones plays with Cooper in the daylight. Yeah. And and that's it. And before that, we had, uh, I think it was part, well, I want to say part 11, we had the Mitchum brothers in the restaurant with Cooper. 
And, so, and in this episode, we now have them coming back. The Mitchum brothers are coming back home, and Jenny E is saying, oh, you've been out all night. Mm -hmm. So there's no time for Sonny Jim to be playing base softball or playing ball with him. So I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a very simple little thing, but that's clearly out of order. That so belongs somewhere else. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh Sometimes I feel like uh, these middle episodes has has a lot of fluff and stuff that could have just been cut out and put in. I almost feel, yeah, you're right. That makes no sense. But I think it's how purpose. was he out all night? But then we saw him in daytime playing baseball. But I think it's done, so. I feel like I'm beginning to feel like it might be done on purpose. Like there's some rhyme to reason reason for this. I think it would be really cool if a fan when this is all debt, this is all done, and they can come in and uh, put together all the pieces. All the Vegas stuff, right. all the uh, the Twin Peaks stuff, like put it all in one timeline. I wish I had time. I wish I wish oh my I God. wish. I mean, my I just don't have time with family and work and, and life. But I would love to try. Cause I love puzzles, so I would love the idea of like trying to figure out what is the order of this. Like, where does things go? Yeah. So my other thing, my last point about this time and thing is that the whole thing with Diane there's times there's some scenes in some parts where she's wearing like a red shirt yes and then there's last other... episode was weird right like, and sometimes she's wearing a green shirt and I think it was was the last part where she started at the beginning of the show with a, a red shirt where yeah. she was covering about the whole task force and then by the end of the episode end of the part she is wearing a green shirt at the and, bar. Right? At the bar, yeah. And then you go to other previous parts, and she's wearing that green shirt in some scenes, and then she's wearing the red shirt. Could and that she, be continuity error? It could be, or it could be that these these sequences, like I feel like she would have been brought to the task force a lot earlier. Like I feel like she wouldn't have gone, they wouldn't have taken her out to where that um, vortex is until she maybe was part of the task. I feel like. I feel like if we if we rearrange this, it would make more sense why she was included in the task force. I don't know. Also, do you think David Lynch filmed all these scenes with these particular actors, and then in the editing room, decided, well, I like this feels better here. This My, feels that was better like the here. first thought. Yeah. But the more I was thinking about, it and the more I was looking at the scenes, the more I was like, it's like, no, I feel like this could be done on purpose. Like mm. I, and as we talk about this part. We'll get into it more, but I almost feel like this is being done on purpose. Like, this can I add a third one? And yeah, a third. Sure. To the, your theory, because I like it, Bobby. So Bobby Briggs, we are seen at nighttime. At well, first of all, in that same episode, we're seeing him in the beginning with the silver thing with Hawk, and um, they discover right well, with Truman. They discover that it's Major Briggs's uh, piece. He left for him in the chair. Yada yada yada. Fast forward later on, he's at he's at the diner, right, with his with his daughter, with uh, Shelly. Yes. There's a shootout. Right. And then in today's episode... That's right. We get into these. They'll yeah. be in the parts, right? And today yeah. he's saying, today I, I found something of my dad. So it yeah. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make sense. any sense. So, yeah. So, and I was... I wanted to think about... So that's all I have to say right now, but I, yeah. I think it's clear that these part... These, these scenes are not in the right order... And I don't know why. I, I actually was talking to Jubal, which I'm hoping it, maybe him and Carl can come on next week, possibly, from Counter Esperado. Yeah. And, he, and he, he has some insight that will go into this part. But one of them, he was saying how it reminded him of when we were in the Purple World there, which kind of could be the, yes. the White Lodge, where it seems like Cooper's going forward, then going back. So it's almost like 
he's shifting back and forth. And could Twin Peaks somehow be doing that? And I don't know if that could even go to John Bernardi's whole uh, quake yeah, theory and stuff. Yeah. But this whole idea that you're going forward, you're going back, you're going forward. And and we've even seen that in, like, it seems like episode tw- 29 with the, the Black Lodge. It seemed like Cooper was going back and forth in some ways. That's true. And we know but, the Lodge has no time. And the way people are moving, spur- like, the skipping. Yeah. And we, we right. saw scenes, glitches. glitches, and we and saw the, the that. Static. I mean, there's a whole combination of things that Electricity seems Electricity like, noise. And I don't, let's yeah. not bring it up now, all but right, when we get right. to the end, and we have that thing with Big Ed, but we'll talk more about it at the end, which seems could be mm-hmm. similar. I want to think, while I'm thinking about it, I want to talk about Diane one more thing, and then we'll get into the part. Sure. I've been thinking that maybe Diane isn't having contact with Mr. C. I know it seems like it would because he starts to type stuff and it seems like she's getting the messages, you know, text messages and stuff. Well, Albert's coming and saying, "Hey, the um the uh the it's pinging off the satellite." Yes. Yeah. We still don't know who. I'm actually wondering if Diane could be talking to who claims to be Phil Jeffries. Mm. That's my newest. I've been thinking about that now. I still don't want to believe she's bad. So I'm like, what if she is thinks she's doing the right thing and she could be doing the right thing because. Jeffries is part of the the Blue Rose Task Force. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is true. Uh, yeah, I, but we've we've seen the text, Mr. C. We we've seen on his end too. Well, and fans have said how he does all capital and it comes. I think it, or the other way around. But he he does capital and it comes off lowercase. You and know that could be a phone thing because I, one's an iPhone and one's uh, like a. Uh, um, a burner phone? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's con- that's continuity error. It could be. I know. It could it's, be. it's so hard with the show. Is like, it is. is it continent? You know, are we are overthinking we things? It could be. Yeah. But I like that theory that it's throwing us off. That maybe Mr. C is getting these messages, but maybe Jeffries is getting them. And maybe there's an overlapping. Mm-hmm. And we're only seeing a part of the picture. But yep. yeah, I like it. So, this is Twin Peaks The Return, Part 13. It originally aired on August 6th, 2017. And the name of it is, What Story Is That, Charlie? Story number two? (laughs) Story number two. And so, we start off with uh, the Mitchum brothers and... And the girls and Cooper and they're coming back to the office and they're in the party train. You know, it's really a fun little scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they got the Congo line going. Yeah. Very bizarre. Tony, he's freaking out. He's hiding behind yeah, his desk. Anthony, right? Yeah. I think. I mean, he assumed that the brothers would kill uh, Dougie there. Like he assumed that like he would trick them enough that like, oh, this guy's been messing things up and it, it didn't. Everything's coming out, Dougie. I mean. Yeah, everything's coming out, Dougie, as uh, our new saying has been lately. Um, and, you know, they're giving him, like, a new car, a watch, and all these little presents. Now, is this ethical? I was thinking about this. It's, like... it's not ethical. <laughs> you don't give your insurance company presents because they they gave you money in your favor. Yeah. Bushnell just seems so happy. That I was like, oh, they get all this. <laughs> this is Fruity we get, Loops. We get cars and. Yeah, this is all Fruity Loops yeah. here. This is like a little a little crazy. Um, Mr. Todd uh, contacts, I'm sorry, Anthony contacts Mr. Todd, yeah. says he didn't get the job done, and then he basically has one more day to basically kill off Dougie, <laughs> or he's going to get killed. I like he says he got one more day. How many chances does this guy get? Like, how many days? You got one more day. Well, I think their thinking was is that the Mitchum brothers were going to do the job, and since they didn't do the job, it's now up to you to do the job, yeah. and that's why you, you can have one day to do it yourself. It's too funny. So we know there's a couple of days um, on both 
uh, in Vegas in Twin Peaks that take place in this one episode, which is interesting. We'll get into the day thing later. Okay. Um, so Janie, she gets a knock on the door, and there she's presented with a cool playscape. Yes. And a new car. A new car! I'm thinking if Cooper does come out of it, I'm going to believe he's not going to be home. And I believe he's just never going to come back, but she'll be set up. Yes, that's what I've been saying. I mean, I was saying this way back that, you know, this whole thinking that she didn't give all the money to the ransom or the people that wanted the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she basically says it in one one scene where she says, oh, I'm saving the money for us. And then she also says about how, like, we're not going to get a new car. We're going to save that insurance money. Yeah. But then she gets a new car. So even when she, you know... It all kind of works out, but I do think she's in, you know, she's a good place. If if Cooper wakes up and leaves, she's got the money, she's got a nice car. She's, yeah, I do. Be taken care of. I do believe that theory. As much as I'd like them to be together, I think that when Cooper gets out of his stupor, he might not remember her or the kid. I think he's just going to be like, I have a mission to do. I'm going to go do it. Yes. And I don't think he's going to think of them at all. But I think they're going to have a happy ending. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Awesome. Now, what do you think about the playground? Now, that's interesting. That scene took place at night, and it, there was a spotlight, right. which was weird, and they had a, a weird yellow like light banner going mm. over that, yeah. over it, and it was interesting. So, the spotlight reminded me of the original Red Room Dream. Yes. You know, David Lynch had a whole thing about how the spotlight had to be on on the curtains. And so, yeah, it was like almost like a, it also felt kind of like a circus or something, like some kind of. But it's like you're not going to set spotlights on on this. But it, it it's know. so you can play at night. Yeah, I guess so. It was very interesting. <laughs> I maybe, liked maybe that's it. What, like rich kids have, they have these spotlights, <laughs> and these spotlights, <laughs> and glowing <laughs> oh, uh, no. furniture. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, do we want to go to Mr. C at the farm? No, I'm going to keep staying in Las okay, Vegas. Let's I'll chunk okay. it in Las Vegas. So the Fusco brothers are hanging out. Those are the cops there. <laughs> They're just goofing around. They're trying to say, we we got to go see mom over the weekend. And they get back Dougie's prints. Like they, they you know, the analyst yep. there is basically comes off that he uh, has been escaped from a high security prison two days ago in South Dakota and he's a missing FBI agent and they all laugh crumple up the paper and throw, throw it away. away so it's so funny like we're waiting we've been waiting for this episode where it's gonna put it together and nothing turns out of it that was kind of disappointing I was kind of hoping something would trigger alarm but that must be a big mistake <laughs> <laughs> and he, you know this is the second opportunity that Cole and company should have had to connect what they've been doing to Las Vegas. The first one was the ring where they kind of like, oh, we found a ring in Major Briggs's uh, stomach. Yeah. And you think that, oh, we should look into that. And no, they kind of brush it off. And here's another opportunity where if they had just c- maybe contacted the FBI, they would have connected it that, oh. Why? Should, yeah. I, I, it's just like uh, Dougie is, or you know, Dougie Cooper right. is just like, and no woman could touch him. It's very bizarre how this is unfolding with him. Yeah. And it, I love the screaming and yelling coming out from behind the closed yeah, door. Yeah, so bizarre. Like, it was not. I mean, it doesn't seem to be anything just to be random. But it was a woman yelling stuff. And I feel like it's just showing yet again the craziness that that in the world. I, yeah. It was interesting. It was just like another peak. We, 
you know, kind of in line with the vomiting girl and stuff like that. Right. It was weird. Strange for the sake of restri- weird. Restri- yeah. Weird, yeah. So Anthony then comes by and he says he's looking for Detective Clark and the brothers tell him where he is. And so he meets with this guy and he's a dirty cop and he basically... He knows Todd. He, he obviously he knows, knows Todd, Todd. Right. And he also has another cop friend. They're both in the alley. And I'm so they're probably the two dirty cops. Yeah. And he basically is gonna get help him get poison. Anthony to get poison. Even though he's mocking him. He's Cut. mocking him, but yeah, yeah he's, he's like, mocking him. But he also knows that they all work for Todd. Yeah. And so he's gonna do. This. He's like, oh, he wants to poison someone. This guy's crazy. Yeah. 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 And it was interesting. I'm like, he's looking at the guard, and I'm like. Oh, interesting. So these guys are corrupt with Mr. Todd. And, you know, if he come out, and well, I'm sure they all know the Mitchum brothers, too. I'm sure there's all collude, you know, right. collude with each other. And then we're, so then we get uh, to where Anthony brings Dougie for coffee. <laughs> Which is the next day. Yes. So yet we have a day two in this story arc. I'm keeping track of days now. Not, I don't, I, and I, I can't keep track of days because I don't know if all the scenes belong together. Like it's a yeah. And you in, in that one sentence we heard that Mr. C broke out two days ago. Right. So this would be day three, with Cooper trying to be poisoned. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah it, it, the, it it's crazy to try to keep track of all I the know, days. I know. I feel like I wish I had the time. I would like to put it all together. I do believe that the days are unfolding differently than they are in Twin Peaks. I think the days are giving it they're doling it out in a couple days in Twin Peaks. They're doling it out in those same couple days in, you know, but as uh, I, as, Las I, Vegas. as we get into this in this part, I'm telling you there's things that happen in Twin Peaks that happened before well before, so it's not like it's the same day. It's yeah. like there's a there's a scene here that should have happened uh, several parts before. Yeah, yeah, And so that's yeah, why yeah. It's, I can't... I at least don't think it's it's like your your typical structured show. It's not like this is one... Like the old Twin Peaks, you know, the old yeah. Twin Peaks, basically one, one episode was one day. Yeah. By, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. that is not the case with this show. It, it is daytime, it's nighttime, <laughs> it is yesterday, it is today. It's yeah. all over the place. We're in other dimensions yeah. that have no days at all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Anthony sits down... Sits Dougie down, gives him some coffee, and then and then uh, Cooper Dougie goes to get some pie, and he poisons his coffee. Didn't you think when he had the pie with the coffee, he was gonna wake up? I'm like, it's gonna be the pie and the coffee combo. Uh, I know you thought that because I... he had the pie and champagne. Who drinks champagne and pie? Right. And I'm like, he needs the coffee. Uh... The coffee pie combo. You know, he, he, you know it's it's you're uh... missing the donut though. You need that donut there. I think it's gonna be. You know, David Lynch did say. Keep you know the, the whole donut thing. Yeah. I re- what if it is a donut? What if he has a donut? Has he had? He hasn't had a donut. No. Yet. Nah, I don't think so. Missing, right. Um, what do you think? Oh, well, so he's looking at the pie, and you know, Anthony puts the poison in, and Dougie comes back, and the woman's like, "I'll bring you the pie." Yeah. And he notices the dandruff. Right. And he's like poking at him, and we were we texted about yes. this. Yes. I like I, you. I like what you thought. Well, I had another theory. My, my my theories are this: is this reminding him of when he was falling? But then I was like, oh, moonless night. Is it reminding him of like a sky and there's the stars? I like this. I like the idea of the stars. Why? Because he's poking at. It's like this weird. Like he's almost he, and like it is like a pattern. Like he seems like he's poking him in a certain area. I mean, maybe he was just following the dandruff. Yeah. But it felt like you're right. It felt like it was something more. And we know. 
we know this childlike Cooper is reminded very easily of different things. So I was trying to think back to the original series of what this could re represent. And the only thing I can come to is like a sky, a, a nighttime I like sky the with stars. stars. I do like the stars. I yeah. Mean, it feels good. And then I was thinking like, well, I mean, when he was doing the homework or he was doing his assignments, he was following certain lights and stuff and he would follow that. So I, still, I, I wonder if it's just the way that... The pattern is, or the the white dandruff. Do you think he was writing something on his back? That would've been cool. Like he was writing like liar or like <laughs> sinner or something. Wow, I like the idea of liar. I know yeah. I like liar because you know, do you ever play that game when you were younger? Like they, they would be people would write on your back and you'd have to guess. Yes, what it was. that's yeah, what yeah, I'm thinking yeah, right, of. Yeah. Right, right, right. So what if I like that? We have to rewatch that. Yeah, like what if he was liar? liar? Because he was. I thought he was just. I thought Anthony was just really bothered because he was touching him and kind of like hovering over him and saying, no, that's your coffee. You mm. think you're going to give me the coffee? It's your mm. coffee. You drink it. Yeah. Like, oh, no, and that freaks him out and stuff. But I like the idea of what if he was writing on him and he could feel that and he could be like liar. Yeah. Well, what did he call him? When he, he, he did call, call him a liar not, many parts ago. He called he, him out. Yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering. I have to. Yeah, we have to rewatch it because – I'm like, is he doing some weird, weird massage? Like, yeah, right, right. Yeah, but maybe he was writing something, or it just freaked him out enough, and he had, it was like, oh, no, I, I can't do this. I have a conscience all of a sudden. I cannot poison Dougie. Yep. Which and is so nice. the, And he takes the coffee and brings it to the bathroom, <laughs> and he's crying, and he's upset, and he throws it out, and the guy's, the guy's like, that bad? That, huh? Basically, is the coffee that bad? <laughs> you have to go throw it out somewhere? I thought it was really funny. A, a great comic moment and so anthony confesses to bushnell that you know the whole thing he conf confesses everything and I, what i love is bushnell says yeah i already knew this yeah it, it was dougie said everything and then he says like, i don't remember this but basically says he, dougie even told me that it was two dirty cops like really did we learn that from the paperwork i mean well we we are led to believe that bushnell deciphered what Cooper did. I, he was putting I think he was putting lines to names. Yeah. So there was a name and he would be like a line going up mm. and some sort of symbol that would tell Bushnell what is wrong. Because Cooper hasn't said anything. Yeah. He just or he, he copies. He, he copies people. For the most part. Yeah. I mean. So what I love is what I love about this is that you I, well, I want to say this. I think Tom Sizemore this is an amazing performance by him. This is like, this is his part. Like, this is like, this is his, it's, we don't call it episode, but this is his episode. Yeah. yeah like, yeah, it really, yeah. he had, I thought it was great. Like, here's somebody that, he usually is kind of a badass. Like, in other stuff he's done, he's a it's little. He's a swarmy guy. Swarmy, tough guy. Yeah, yeah. Here he Creepy. breaks down, he, he cries a lot. I felt bad for him. Yeah, and Bushnell actually forgives him. And, and he, what I, and I love too is that uh, Anthony says, you know, you, he says to Dougie, you saved my life. Thank you. And like, this is, I think this is our second time basically saying somebody, or actually you say third time, saving our lives. You had the the, the uh, slot, uh, the, the, la girl, the, the lady woman, who yeah. uh, was winning at the slots. Yeah. And then you had the, the Bushnell brothers. Bushnell brothers. The, yeah, because they got the money. Not Bushnell. I'm sorry. Mitch, Mitchum, the, Mitchum brothers. brothers. Mitchum brothers got... The Mitchum brothers uh, were able to get their money, and they kind of said thank you to Cooper. And now we have Anthony who's saying thank you. So that's three times now that we he's helped people out. But Tony is still going to die. What? Todd's going to kill Anthony? him. Okay. Yeah. Todd said you got one day to do this. Right. And it was one day. Now, just because his boss forgave him doesn't mean Todd. Todd's going to call him like, did you do it? We, we have 
um, Chanel and Hutch, who are on the road to Vegas. To Vegas. Yeah. And they're talking about more Mormons. Mormons. And stuff. It felt very uh, Pulp Fiction to me. I thought like having this thing. But they're on their way to kill two people, and I believe they're there to kill Todd, and they're there to kill Dougie. I yeah, think. I think so. so I don't too. know if we're gonna. Have, Anthony has anything to worry about. Like. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll find out how this plays out. In yeah. in this world of Vegas right now, everybody lives in this weird happy bubble, and nothing bad seems to be going on. So I like to see something bad happen there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like what Bushnell had to say. Is like, well, are you willing to testify against Todd and and the corrupt cops? And he mm-hmm. said yes. And I thought that was a nice way to like, hey, this is your way to make up for all your, the wrongdoings. Uh, and like, I it's know. funny that like, die. the Mitchum brothers were supposed to be bad guys, and yet they're goofballs. So they're, they become goofballs and. And they do have a heart. Yeah. And yeah. even Anthony, as bad as he is, he does have a heart. So it's I. It's... Did he get his courage, Ben? Going back to the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but I don't. Do I want to go back into the Wizard of well, Oz? Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, if you think about get, it, he, he got his courage. He did get his courage. And they have a heart. Yes. Uh, I don't know. There could be that Wizard of Oz theme still going. Be. I, I, still I like that a lot. Yeah. It's still my favorite. Uh, so. uh, and I still think this. No, it's not a dream. But I still, <laughs> I like the Wizard of Oz thing. If you think about it. Anthony got his courage he to did. confess and willing to go against these bad, corrupt people. Right. And if we go with that whole thing, this could wrap up this whole thing now with yes. these people. Now we have, then we're going to have two worlds collide. We're going to have two hitmen come out from the outside world come in. And I think this is where we could see the wake up. Of Dougie. Well, Cooper. Next part? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We keep saying that, but... We always say it, yeah. So I think we can move on to Western yeah. Montana. Let's do it. Mr. C actually goes to the farm where Ray is. Yeah, no, this is an interesting farm. Um, that, yeah, right. It's really a warehouse. It's a warehouse. Is this the same warehouse we met? We meet Red because Richard Horn was there? And now Richard Horn shows up again. Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, we, we kind of jumped ahead in the storyline because you have these gang and Mr. C is looking for Ray. And eventually we get to a point where uh, the gang is looking at this big TV and all of a sudden who shows up but Richard Horn. And he seems not that stressed. We're, like the last time we saw him, he's sweating profusely. He looks worried. He's, he's in good company. And now all of a sudden he just looks calm and cool. It's interesting. Yeah. So I never, it's interesting. I never would have thought that about Red's warehouse because that seems a lot smaller to me. But it was shot in a right. way that you didn't see much you of it. it. But it could yeah. be, right? I mean, because we're trying to figure out how did Richard Horn get here? Like, how does he know these people? Uh-huh. What is, right. And to me, you know, my first thought is like, is he looking at Mr. C thinking, could he be his father? Like, or, or is it, you know, or do I just think that? Do I, just I think you're at- just thinking, I don't <laughs> think he has any clue who his father is. Yeah. I don't think he knows at all. I think. It's, Are you my father? <laughs> are they gonna have a Luke Skywalker yes. uh, Darth Vader moment? Um, Richard, I you, am your, your father. father. No. <laughs> Richard gets his hand cut off. Yes. So Mr. C is in the here with all this gang, and they let him in because they basically say, "Hey, we've got guns and we're tough, and we, we can take on one guy." Well, Ray was like that. The um, the other guy uh, was basically, no, no, no. We're gonna talk to him. I can't think of his name. Resno, are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Put the gun away. We're gonna have a conversation. Like, we're we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. We're we're, right. we're gonna settle this by arm wrestling." Oh, what did you? 
I it was a moment of disbelief there. I was a little bit like out there, but I mean, and it was fun Mr. though. Mr. C kind of came back and said, "Are we in preschool? Are we in kindergarten?" Like, yeah, yeah. Like the idea, like this is silly, and like Mr. C is acknowledging that it's silly, but this is like they're like it's almost like the, a gang's frat. Like they're, yeah, they're, they're kind of like their thing to do. And how willingly were they like, "Well, listen, this guy hasn't lost in 14 years." If he, you win, you can have the whole gang. You can be the new boss. Yes. But I, Mr. C doesn't want that. Yeah. Mr. He C just wants Ray. But that wrestling scene, arm wrestling scene, I thought it was going to be one and done. I love the way he played with him. Oh, this is very uncomfortable with my arm bends. <laughs> How about what's reset? And I was like, he's messing with him. And the guy, and starting were, position. Starting position. The other guy, his face was completely red. I mean, it was good. Yeah. It was a good scene. I didn't feel comfortable when you did this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did play with, and to me, it, it was kind of like this is Lynch playing with us too. Like, and this is how Lynch is. Like, Lynch uh-huh. likes to go from this extreme to that extreme and mess with us, and then say, "What well, are you more comfortable where we're <laughs> here?" Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. a great, it was a great scene, and then for him to basically pin him and then punch his face, and I, it looked like he killed him. He I did. Mean, he he pushed, killed him. He punched his nose right into his brain and wow. killed him. And I think Mr. Mr. C has this superhuman strength. And I still can't believe he's doing this without Bob. Like, is this, is this doppelganger so powerful that he doesn't need Bob? I don't think he needs Bob. Uh, this scene kind of solidified that he doesn't have Bob anymore. I'm not convinced. You're not convinced. That's fine. I, okay, we'll get there. So he, he knocks him down. He goes, give me all your cell phones, and I want privacy. And I get Ray. Yeah. yeah so yeah, here's yeah. something, like, why, why would he want all these cell phones? And here's something I'm wondering. I think he was, and I think it's clear that he actually was trading out his cell phones. Always. So he's, he's, yeah. he was, you know, if he's texting Diane or whoever mm-hmm. he's texting, they can't, they can't track him. So he's just kind of like, I'm going to use new uh-huh. cell phones. Here's your theory. Yeah. To Diane, if he's always having new cell phones, how the frick does Diane even know his cell phone number? Right. It's not like his cell phone number follows him. We've seen Mr. C with two cell phones, or at least three by now. Yeah, right. So if Diane's getting these, if Diane's texting an unknown person, how is it always going to Mr. C if he always has a different cell phone? Well, he would have to reach out to her first. Like, there's no way for her to ever reach out to him. He's always has to make the first contact. Yeah, I guess. Right? Like, yeah, so. but always. Yeah, that's true. I guess you're right. It would have to be the opposite way. She, right. He doesn't need. He doesn't probably want to reach. But out. she didn't. She say something like Vegas or. Oh no, he asked. What about Vegas? Yep. Okay, you're right. So I guess he's got to reach out to her. If that is. If that's if the that's case. What's yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, before we get into, I still want to get into this Ray exchange. Before we yeah. get into that, this this scene, and I, and I and it was great to see other people on Twitter see say the same thing. Reminds me of this movie Over the Top. It's 1987, starring uh, Sylvester Stallone. Yes, and he's <laughs> so he's a trucker who has, gets his son out of military school and goes to Las Vegas to arm wrestle, and it, and he and he has his his his, his cap. And he turns it behind, uh-huh. and, and, he, and, he, and he's, yeah, he's got to beat this big guy. And It's the whole know, movie. It's the whole movie. Yeah. And, it's but a- it's hilarious. I mean, that is kind of cheesier than what, what we saw in this part. But it just reminded me, like, you don't see arm wrestling movies, <laughs> anymore. movies yeah. or scenes or, or shows or anything. It's very unique. So that's where I went. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Um, we met someone at the fest last, uh, a couple weeks ago at the fest and at the roadhouse. And I was talking to someone. I can't remember his name he had a beard very nice guy and he was saying how 
Lynch was doing these small little homages to other directors and other stuff. And it was it was subtle that if you might not always get it, but he was like throwing stuff at me. And maybe this was just a little homage, just a little subtle callback. It's not, it's not like, like a, it's funny because it's not like Steven Spielberg or it's not even a Kubrick. It's I can't remember Roadhouse. the director. It's yeah. just like, it's just a it's just a very kind of silly uh, arm would, wrestling movie. Yeah, but who would ever think we would uh, correlate arm wrestling in Twin Peaks? Yeah. And now we are. It's and weird. I never want to forget Mark Frost. Mark Frost has a part in in, yeah. in everything. This too. could so have been this, a Mark Frost thing. Right. Like, hey. Let's let's do this. I mean, this hasn't been popular since the eighties. <laughs> let's right. bring out the arm right, wrestling. Like, yeah, if, yeah. If 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 the group has to go up against Mr. C, how can we have fun with this? Yeah, let's do arm wrestling. wrestling. Yeah, because look look at the alternative. He could have come up that elevator, and they could have just opened fire and killed yeah. him. He could have came back to life. We've already seen it happen. Right. He would, Maybe all the wood, woodsmen would come out and take out them. But wouldn't that? Well, yeah. But wouldn't that have been cheesy if they yeah. just mowed him down and then he just stood back up like the Terminator? Yes. I kind of like. Be back. I think the arm wrestling works. Right. Yeah. I agree. So Mr. C gets Ray and shoots him, and says, "You know who hired you to kill me?" This is good. Good information. This we is were great. Told. Yeah. So he says it's Phil. Jeffries, or yeah. somebody who's saying there he's Philip Jeffries. Yeah, he said Philip Jeffries is the one who sent me to get what was inside of you. Yeah, yes, Bob. But the woodsmen have Bob, which we are maybe. <laughs> which am I the only one? People, you, people should write in or contact us. Is there anybody out there that thinks Bob could still be? Well, we in physically Mr. saw a, a black orb with Bob's face. Watch it again, face. though. Watch it again. It's Bob's though. face coming out. We never out. actually see it fully come out. We never see them actually holding it outside of his body. Yeah, it was half out of his half body. out. But but they weren't putting the it back time, in. At the same time, he was. They they're kind of rubbing around him as though they're restoring his wounds. But here, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you this. When he questions that, Cooper does. Uh, Mr. C does have this weird look on his face, and I thought right there and then we were going to see some glimpse of uh, Frank Silva. We were going to see something to indicate the Bob was still there. We got nothing. We haven't had anything. I need a mirror. Yeah, we have had nothing to confirm um, that he is or is not. So I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that we don't 100% know, but my theory is he's out. Here's the thing is I like I be I can see he could be out and in somebody else. And that that intrigues me and there are definitely a couple people that I could see where he could be into inside of and that that excites me. I We'll go back to last week's episode because we didn't get to talk a lot. We had a lot of guests on, great. Yeah, it was wonderful. So I have a feeling that Bob is waiting at the Palmer house. All right. That's what I think. We'll get there. We'll get there uh, yeah. uh, when we get to that scene. Or the woodsmen are. They yes, are the, waiting. I go, yeah, I would say the woodsmen, but I want to... We'll get to that scene. Yeah. yeah. So we have Ray there. Ray actually has the owl ring. And so the idea was that Jeffrey says, after you kill Mr. C, you need to put this on him. What? Question: Why didn't he do this? Oh, because the woodsman he, showed I up. Was, I think yeah, he, he was got frightened. so freaked You're right. out. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he got so freaked out by that he didn't. He, he wasn't didn't even able, dare. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Didn't yeah dare yeah. touch him. Or yeah, yeah. But yeah, that would have been the moment to do it. So yeah. it's interesting. And then, and then we do learn. I mean, after this conversation, he will get killed, and Ray will be wearing that, and he will be brought back to the red room. He and then we see the ring go back on the table. But you know, Dougie had the ring, so there's two rings. That well, that's the thing, right? I mean, get is it. there two rings? 
I've only, I wondered that even in, in uh, the secret history of Twin Peaks, I wondered, is there more than one ring? I've been questioning that. I still wonder if there could be one ring, but we, again, we don't know the order of things. We don't know, we don't know the time of when these things happened. Could it have been returned and then taken again? It's, yeah. Right, right. I don't know. Maybe it's one ring that holds no time. That maybe it comes into the real world, it could be multiple. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I want to say there's still one ring, but I, it's hard to understand how how it would go from from Dougie to Jeffries to Ray. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we so don't know. the other thing is it clarified that Jeffries, or who says he's Jeffries, actually worked out with Warden the Warden the whole plan. That's because I question like how did how did uh, Ray get a gun and like mm-hmm. why did they really release them both of them and it makes sense it makes a lot more sense yeah cuz why yeah why would they do all that and then he also gives ray also gives the coordinates to mr c but he says can you really trust these coordinates and i think he's bluffing i think he really probably did get the right coordinates mm-hmm. i i want i wanted ray to put up more of a fight or i want i mean he didn't really have anything he's on the ground shot but yeah. it's like oh no this is not the way ray should go out it, it, it's so weird here is lynch making us almost root for mr c mr c is the bad guy for the arm wrestle yeah. yeah but he yeah mr c is the bad guy ray is the good guy we all like jeffries and Ray is on that side. It's weird. But the way they position these characters in this story arc, you it's almost because we love Cooper. We're yeah. almost it's weird. My I don't know what to do. I'm like, wait a minute. No, Ray's on the ground. I should be rooting for him not to die. And I'm rooting for Mr. C to win. I shouldn't be doing that, but I am. I would it's say weird. I, Ray for me is one of my favorite new characters for the series. I really enjoyed it because he kind of is a smart aleck. He's kind of a tough guy, and I there's more mystery to him. Like I still wasn't I wasn't clear like how much he knew. I mean, like he he, seen, he, he doesn't seem like he knows everything. Yeah, but he, but it's interesting to, and like how much is he involved? Like, does he know about the Black Lodge, or I mean, or is he just somebody that's hired to do a job? I mean, his dead body goes to the Black Lodge. Would he be oh, alive? Yeah, After that. I do wonder. Like, I was thinking the same thing. Could he still? We didn't see it, but could he still be? Could he now be there, stuck there forever? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what happened with Laura. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Maybe we'll see him. Maybe we'll see right. him again. So, um, what else? Uh, so also, uh, Mr. C asks Ray, "Where is Philip Jeffries?" And he basically says, "The Flying Dutchman." The Dutchman's. Right? Or the Dutchman's? It's just the Dutchman's. Du- the flying and, Dutchman's. And, and Ray says, not a real place, and gets killed, shot. And Mr. C's, I, Mr. C, I know what it is. Now, <laughs> so he knows what this is, even though it's not a real the pl- du- The Dutchman, I'm wondering, what if it's the same place as Jack Rabbit's? Maybe, but he doesn't know how to get to the Jack Rabbit's, so I don't know. Well, he knows how to get to the Dutchman's. Right. I think they're two separate places. Okay, they're two separate. I think so. <laughs> what if... The Dutchman's and Jack Rabbit's lead to the same place. Well, I mean, in some ways, you could say that. I mean, with, with uh, back uh, with the principal, he he seemed like he, his location there led to the same place mm-hmm. with, with Major Briggs. So I think there's possible. There's different portals that could lead to the uh, Red Room or the Black Lodge or yeah, wherever. It's quite possible. Yeah. You want uh, to talk about the double R scenes? Yeah. So uh, we have two of them. We have one with Becky and Shelly, and we have one with Bobby Briggs. Yeah, Becky and Shelly, here's another thing. 
you know, this is Becky. Becky says Steven's been gone for two days. Um, she's really depressed. No, Shel- I want to say too. It's day daytime here. It's the daytime yeah. at the double R. And Shelly's like, "Why don't you come down and have pie?" And I'll well, make, here's the thing: I'll heal all about, wounds. Right. So, basically, she's she's crying to her mom about how oh he's been gone. He didn't come home. And Shelly's kind of like, "I'm busy." And like she kind of, in a way, she's about to blow her blow her off and say, "Hey, I can't help you." And then she kind of thinks about it and say, "You know what? Why don't you come and have pie?" And that's a kind of a moment of love. And I actually do connect it to this other scene with Norma. But I think it's a, a sweet thing, a way of yeah. her kind of saying, okay, I, I, I want to be there for you. The thing is, I don't think this took place. I think this is another chronological thing. I think this happened before Stephen was with Hay, uh, the Hayward sister there. So I think the order but would be... But he's been gone for two days. So I think he disappeared with the Hayward sister and has been gone for two days. That's but she how... doesn't know what happened to him. So what I'm saying is, this: if we're doing it in the order, she he goes missing. Mm-hmm. She then finds out that she, he's with the Hayward, goes to the apartment, shoots the door. Mm. And then the other thing is, I thought that Shelly said she could stay, Becky could stay with her. Like, so we had the whole, is your husband abusing you? Yeah, and yeah. And like, why don't you stay with me? That was the last thing we saw. That's in, true. So when she... I, I feel like she should still be with Shelly at Shelly's house. So for me, this scene is out of order. I feel like the scene should have happened before. I feel some of these scenes overall could have been, like I said, deleted things. I, yeah, but I think they're purposely messing with us. Yeah. They're, they're purposely messing with us to either have some kind of big payoff or to get us off, you know, kind of like... Make us feel uneasy. Yeah, uneasy. About right. Yeah. But what I took from this is I love the idea that this pie brings love. You know, like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a nice big piece of pie and comfort food, comfort food, ice cream and whipped cream. And where this is heading, but we get into another scene with a double R. Yeah, you have something else you want to say? Well, doesn't say if you go back to uh, Dougie Cooper, the cherry pie. Oh yeah, you know it all goes back to the cherry pie. Sure. And we had a good cherry pie when we were at the fest, right? The double R makes a tweeds makes make uh, amazing cherry right. pie. So the next uh, uh, double R scene is with Bobby Briggs. He comes in and he orders some food. He sees Big Ed. Yeah, I know. I was so excited. And not only does he see Big Ed, he sees Norma, and they're sitting in the booth we sat her bo- in. Right, her booth, but she's been sitting in all the time. We sat in that the, booth. Our last, our last day at the fest. Yes. We, we we were able to sit in Norma's booth, which was pretty cool. I think. Yes. It's kind of nice. Actually, and I love booths. I think all the other times we ate there, we weren't in booths. We're at the uh, we're at the counter. Right. Yeah, so this yeah. was really special to be in a booth, and we knew it was Norma's booth. Norma's office. We should have asked for some paperwork. Like, yeah. we can, sit there and do- can I get a big stack of uh, blank uh, uh, folders uh, and paper, please? Even when she's eating with. Big Ed, she's got her paperwork there. Like mm. she just like that's all she does. Yeah. So she, they hang out for a little. You know, Ed Ed invites uh, Bobby to sit down and and hang out with them. And you've already brought this up, but she he mentions about that his dad he found things of his dad and yes. that they're working towards this. But it was today again. Yes. That's like doesn't make any sense because we had that scene and if I remember right, we then had the whole double R scene where. Uh, there was a shooting, and he came out. So things yes. have happened since that day that they found something. Yeah. So it's clearly it seems like it's out of order. Like, this does not belong here. Yeah, it was very odd. Very odd. Um, but like you say, I also feel Twin Peaks is giving it to us. Yeah, it's, it's like it. You're right. It's like a remix almost. They're giving us this weird order. Yeah. And maybe we... I mean, I like it. I actually don't mind it. It's it's 
you know, I like things that are out of order and yeah, kind of put yeah. it together. And and then this guy Walter comes in, and Big Ed and Bobby leave, and well, Walter and Norma hang out. Before Walter showed up, you know, Bobby goes, "Oh, I don't want to sit with you guys. I don't want to interfere." Yeah. And then Big Ed's like, "This, no, no, there's nothing going on here." Yeah, it's like what we've had 25 years for you guys to get your act together. And I'm with- like. Oh. Well, I was thinking, well, maybe they're not having a romantic... You know, they can't be always having a romantic conversation. Right. I mean, if they've been together this long, they're just talking about everyday things. Yeah. But to me, this shows that maybe Big Ed still lo- is in love with her. They're still not together. Something's still keeping them apart. Right. Because, yeah, then Walter shows up. They're like, oh, you guys are going to talk business. We'll move. And Big Ed, the way it's filmed, over Walter's shoulder, you can see Big Ed. And yeah, he keeps check, peeking uh, over. And it was kind of so sad. And then he's like, they kiss. Well, first of all, they kiss each other. Right. When they when Walter comes over, yeah. they kiss each other like on the cheeks. Yep. And it made me think about when Shelly all of a sudden takes off and kisses Red outside oh, yeah. and Bobby's watching. That's funny. I'm like, why? That's good, right. I like that. I didn't even think about that. It's the same scenario. So they, you know, Ed and Bobby could have just shrugged at each other at women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I didn't think that they both have women problems, don't they? they still. Both, yeah. And, and like, it, and, and Bobby comes in and it's like, hey, Shelly left already, right? So now this is nighttime at Double R. So you could, they could have happened the same day. Mm-hmm. I still don't know. But it's interesting. He was kind of like, a little down that Shelly wasn't there because Shelly could oh Shelly could have took off with Red because originally they said we're gonna go meet in our, our but that's place. A, yeah maybe that's a whole other that was a, a night that was a night yeah, time right. and this takes place at night yeah but, but Bobby was there that night with the whole uh, thing going yeah, on yeah yeah so it's so bizarre. bizarre yeah so Walter hangs out and he I guess they're doing franchise now they have the whole Norma's Double R Diner franchise wow. This was a like really this is happening so it's just, this explains why she's always sitting there doing paperwork because she's got a lot of uh, she's got a multiple <laughs> a lot of pie places. recipes. Yeah. So here's the thing. The funny thing is, so I actually um la- I think it was like last weekend I watched The Founder starring Michael Keaton and that was a story of Ray Kroc who uh who was his story of how he created the McDonald's fast food chain. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting story. And like really, he he wasn't even like there was a whole McDonald's brothers, and like he came in and said, "Hey, I just want to help franchise." And he actually basically stole the business from them. And part of the reason he was able to do well too was, you know, they they would have great milkshake, like fresh milkshakes, and he would have these instant packets that had no milk in them. Uh, and, it, and I yeah, actually worked yeah. at a restaurant back in the day that we started off having like. Uh, we would peel our potatoes, and we had the freshest foods. And over a few years of working there, they started uh, shipping in packed food already. That was mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. But it was, but it's interesting. So this storyline with Walter and Norma, Walter's basically saying, you know, part of the problem is your pies. Like you use all these great ingredients, but like it's costing too much money. So if you would just use like <laughs> other stuff, it you know. But she's saying it's all about love and it's about yeah, taking care yeah. of people. And that kind of goes back to Shelly and Becky. It's all about love and, like, we care about you. And we yeah. want, we're doing it through food, but it's our way of love. And I think Norma doesn't Food like, is the key. Right. Norma doesn't want to... Uh, sacrifice Sacrifice that. that. Yeah, and it was interesting. Um, I like the correlation there because this guy could, you know, he's, he's he could be shady. He yeah. Could be, oh, yeah. There's no question he's shady. He is that, shady. Like, he's definitely... 
He cares more about the money than he cares about quality. Yeah, and, and I, know, I think maybe it was Entertainment Weekly's podcast that they they use the analogy: Could this be like the film industry or television? That like sometimes television, you know, or, or they they care about the fr- or movies. They uh-huh. care about the franchise, and they just want to keep making more, making more. And it's never about the quality; it's about just pumping out. And it becomes a formula, right. and not about the fresh ingredients and yes. love. So original original idea. Or the same old idea. Right. And she has the original recipe where the other ones are having manufactured. Right. Manufactured, too. Right. We get it. Manufactured. Dougie was a manufacturer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I thought that was fascinating. But, uh, and she also mentioned how the Double R Diner's been here for 50 years and she doesn't want to put her name on it because people have always known it as the Double R. Yeah. It was cool. And poor Ed's in the background looking. And then they, they, he's like, oh, we want to go out for dinner? Oh, I'd love to. And, I was like, ah, really? This right. guy? This what? This guy's no good. Right. What? She, uh, she, again, like, not picking good people. These women are not picking the wrong but guy. Norma and Ed were in love. Uh, what the frick I, happened? Right. Well, I clearly, uh, I mean, I not clearly, but you do wonder, is Ed still with Nadine? That's the question. And this is a good segue to about Nadine. I mean, so. I don't Co- think. Yeah, Nadine looks like she's living in her store. Yes. She's literally living <laughs> right. in her store. Dr. Jacoby drives by and sees in the store the shovel, his yeah. shovel. Yeah. He stops and he has to find out who has a shovel in <laughs> right there in the store. And he finds out that it's Nadine and they have what seems to be a moment. They're kind of like happy to see each other. And remember back in season two, Dr. Jacoby was basically <laughs> helping Nadine because she was thought she was a teenage girl. So it's funny yeah. to see that what, maybe the last time we really knew it was this doctor-patient type thing. I, yeah, and they mentioned about... The last time we saw each other at the grocery store, she yeah, was bending, seven years ago, bending over to pick up a potato. Right, and it was a stormy. What I love is that <laughs> he has a he has all this detail, so he, it it was memorable to him because it's like, oh, I think it was it was a stormy day, and yeah. I remember you, and I remember you getting a potato, and I think she goes, oh. She's touched by that, and yeah, it, and you know we saw the actress at the festival and stuff like that. I, <laughs> well, uh, we, we can share a story about that. Yeah. Uh, you know she was there, and uh, you, me, and Evan, our friend Evan, was there, and I said, "Well, we have theories about when are we going to see you in Big Ed?" And I, I said to her, "I, I feel like we're one scene we're going to see a hand on your shoulder and it's going to pan out and be big ed did you say that i didn't yes. remember that and she's stone-faced and evan goes i'm gonna look at her while you ask her your theories and i said don't bother her and then we did it and i think one of our theories was will you and jacoby get together yes that right. was it and, and she, she was, was stone-faced so cool. i mean there was almost a little bit of a smirk a little bit of a smile but she 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 tried to she did basically say she didn't say anything, anything. yeah and, and evan's and like tried. i think i see some sweats you know like jokingly <laughs> but she listened and then just said it was great to meet you guys and Aww, signed my thing sweet. yeah she's very sweet very sweet yeah but isn't that what's happening? I mean, it seems yeah. like there, there's a connection being made. Crazy love. Right. And she's kind of like, she seems like she's been in love with him just by watching her his show. And oh, she yeah. says, can I call you Dr. Amp? Yeah. So she, It's like a celebrity to her. Like yes. His it's persona. Like she's the fan. Right. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Her, his new persona has helped her live her life. Like, his motivation speaking or whatever you want to call it has allowed her to say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to get my own store. I'm going to shovel my own shit and get out of here. You yes. know, and I think that's, that's awesome. really cool. Yeah. So it was a cool scene, and you do think that they might... It's adorable. They, yeah, they might 
Can they may make a connection. They may go somewhere. Who knows? Doctor Amp, he needs his uh, voltage, and I think uh, Nadine. I bet you. Uh, I'll make a quick prediction. Do we see Nadine in one of these new videos? <laughs> you know these produced packages that'd he does. Hilarious if she was like a there, spokeswoman. She's now shoveling the shit out. I think that'd be good. You, you know, yeah. like he doesn't have any testimonials, right? So if he could be like, I have a testimonial now. Yes, that'd be kind of sweet. I like that. I like. You no, know here you go. It could be a dual commercial. She could be selling her curtains, her silent runner <laughs> curtains. Yes, and say I was able to get my own business because I believed in shoveling the shit, shit. out. Yes, I think that'd be awesome. Yes, yeah, so I, it could I, be this like, has got to happen. Come, go buy curtains. <laughs> And shovels. <laughs> I like that. I think it's time for Sarah Palmer. Oh, God. Um, yeah, this, this is a great episode. I will say, I, there's just one thing after the other. I feel like there was a lot happening in this episode, yes. this part. And there's just so many different scenes. And we got so much Twin Peaks. We got so much of our of, of the characters I think we we're kind of out of the fluffy stuff right now. I think those three episodes were uh, meat and fluff. And now we're getting to the meats. Yeah. Meet again. It's like bam, bam, bam. So Sarah totally Palmer agree. is in her home watching a boxing match, which I wondered if it could be Bushnell. I wondered if Bushnell. We all thought that. Yeah. Twitter thought that. Facebook thought that. Reddit thought that. Right. There's no evidence right now. No. I'm sure someone will figure it out, though. But here's the crazy thing. It's on a loop. So it's like a few things they say, and then all mm -hmm. of a sudden it repeats itself. But and before it repeats, you hear a crackle yes. and electricity noise. To me, it sounds just like the woodsman. It sounds just like how the woodsman make that noise. Yeah. And here's something that Jubal brought to my attention. He said, so he's saying the vodka she's drinking is a different label. And I actually did rewatch it, and it is not the same label as the one she was. It's about. not the red label? It's I, not the same vodka it, label. Oh wow! See, I thought it was. I rewatched it and I, and both scenes and it was. Yes, I watched it today. I watched it. So they were two different vodka labels. There's red on both labels, but mm -hmm. they're different labels. Okay. Okay. So, so the red threw me off. What Jubal's saying is, is that is this possible that this took place before <gasps> she went to the market or the convenience store? There. I like that. You know why? Yeah. I, I can. I can go for it. I can throw some stuff at this theory Shh, of yours go for and Jubal's, and I. Now that you mention this, because this is something I was going to bring up with the labels, um, I think, yes, okay, if these, if, if we were are real, if we we're led to believe this happened and then she went to the store the next day, would make perfect sense because there's something there. Clearly, in this scene, something's happening, something's coming out, something wants to come out. I, I want to believe her drinking is to mute the voices, is to. Uh, not deal with reality yes or, or, to or, escape yeah. reality but to take these voices and get them out of here by staying drunk now it would make perfect sense that if this particular night she didn't have enough booze she's losing her buzz and if she's been drinking this long it's probably her state of mind has always been this way so you don't need she doesn't even know what sober is this loop and all this stuff is happening and it's seeping in, and the alcohol is just not cutting it, and she's not having, she just can't drink enough anymore. And at that grocery store, I think she's kind of like sober, and she's having this, she's having this moment of break, like she's breaking, and she's hearing voices, and she's talking mm. to people in third person. Yeah. Um, don't you know? It's, the only thing I can think of in my life, I had a friend in high school who was a big time. He drank a lot. Okay. Yeah. He. Had to go to. He's going to go to college in Canada. He couldn't drink. He had to go do a test. And he said, "I'm. 
I'm giving up drinking. That week, he was first sober, and he would drink a lot. I mean, he was always drunk. That week, he was sober. He, I remember this. He said to us, he heard voices. He said it was scary. Wow. Because he hadn't, he didn't even know what sober was. Right. And I think of Sarah Palmer for 25 years just drinking herself in a stupor and now these voices are coming out like there's probably not enough alcohol anymore that's something so strong it's the pain and sorrow is and suffering yes. is uh seeping in right you know so i got an email from rachel uh her husband has a theory her husband john oh and I, we kind of already touched on this, but I want to say in the last part, we see that uh, uh, Sarah, she's, uh, oh, we're talking about this part here. So this part, she, you know, she sees this boxing scene and, and it's on this loop. And she's saying, what she's saying here is she thinks that it's the, it definitely thinks it's the woodsman. And she's connecting it to uh, the one from part eight where you have the woods. And so John is, I think John is one that's saying this. We couldn't help but notice the similarities between the looping over and over again from the boxing match and the woodsman repeating the poem over and over uh, again. So he had that loop. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. And I th that's perfect. I agree yeah. with that. I think yeah, that's yeah, awesome yeah. to that's have cool. that loop. And it does connect part eight to this part where you uh -huh. have that. And then you have that static and crackling. And it seems, yeah, something is happening here. It's so seeping in. I yeah. definitely think, I thought when we saw... When we saw part 12 and Sarah at her home, I thought the woodsmen were there. Like, there was something in the kitchen. And she said, yes. oh, that was nothing. But I felt like, oh, this is the woodsman there. It, And I'm wondering, because of the death of Frank Silva and Bob, we we don't know yet, but if Bob had left Cooper, uh, Mr. C, that the woodsmen are the new Bob. Will we actually see Bob again? I don't know. I feel like the woodsmen are the new thing, right? I feel like this is sort of their way of saying out with the old and with the new when it comes to this force. And I think the woodsmen are it's like a it's like a, a universal force where Bob was a local uh Twin Peaks sort of local f evil. Yeah. This the woodsmen are kind of like the evil all over the country. Wow. The evil over the world. Right. Um I don't know. What do you think? I kind of feel like the woodsmen are the new thing. Like I don't. I feel they like are the new. Yeah. I mean, so I mean, I think there's this whole. Uh, I think the top is the mother, the experimental. Mm -hmm. Like she's the the bad, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have the woodsmen that are kind of like the army, and then we have Bob that uh, below that. And yeah. So if we're talking about the woodsmen, the woodsmen had Bob, and so if, is it possible that Bob is possessing Sarah now? I mean, like that's another theory too. That right? I mean, like that Bob could be in Sarah. That makes total sense because yes. we know everything points to Twin Peaks, and we know uh, Laura has to come into play. I eventually. believe that. And like, what better way? I mean, it's funny when we first started talking about predictions and theories, we thought. Leland would come back, and they'd be. And I hope still that they could have a yeah. confrontation between Laura and and the father. But what if it could be the other way? What if we could have some kind of exchange? What if it's yeah? We thought maybe Bob would be in Leland, but what if Bob is actually in Sarah, and it's actually Laura has to confront Sarah? And I never want to. I, I don't want to think this, but in some ways, I guess Sarah is is wrong too for the whole situation she she, she ignored it she ignored it yeah she knew what was going on mm -hmm. and and she should have she should have as a parent got got her child out of that situation contacted the police or done something and like i this, it's tough it's tough it's but tough. i feel like she's she's to blame for what her daughters went through you know if you go back 
and you know I, things are a lot different now. I mean, not hundred percent, but you know things it's, are different. Things still happen. Things still happen, but in the fifties and the sixties, you had the father who, um, if he was abusive or is it drunk, typically the wife wouldn't do anything. Everything's fine. Everything's yeah, fine. Right. Um, and oh no, how? And I think that was like, you know, Lynch likes to do the, the American dream, but yes. then the grossness that lives underneath that American True. dream. And I think that was a sign of its times with Sarah, like just smoking cigarettes and oh, everything's fine. And right. she's a home wife, right? Mm-hmm. She, yeah. And I feel like. Yeah, I feel like now maybe that's the uh, pain and sorrow. Like, why didn't I do something? Like, it's 25 years of going, why didn't I step in? Why didn't I do something? Yeah. So that's She's living with that. It's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So I do. Thank you, Rachel and John, for sharing that with us. I know I didn't read the whole thing, but I got the gist of it that yeah. they, they can definitely compare part eight to this part uh, with Sarah. And it makes sense because yeah. if the, the scene with her going to the liquor store would come next, she's breaking. Like, right. the, it, it seeped in yeah. and the alcohol is not doing it anymore and she doesn't, she can't even drink enough to keep this. Right. I like that. And it's interesting, the whole loop is on, on through the radio, the poem. And of course, in our modern time, television is more a way of just having this loop and this, Kind of. And it was a fight for it looked like from the fifties, which is it's interesting. True. It was yeah. an old fight right. that just kept saying the same thing. We kept saying the same thing, so that's interesting as well. Yeah, I don't know. She was on some classic television channel. Or what something if that, like that fight happened the same time the atom bomb? Yeah, thing happened. I don't know. That what if that right. fight was actually happening in Vegas? Yeah, while they were they were Who doing knows? this testing. Who knows? I that's don't something. know. So we get another Audrey scene. And it's funny, I mean, I, I think we all assumed that this was going to be Audrey in this because it says, what story is that, Charlie? Yeah. And the only Charlie we know of is, I guess, her husband, Charlie? Well, to go back to last, well, let's dissect this a little bit more. Because last week, after rewatching it, I do believe when he Charlie calls Tina, Tina says something's going on with Richard. Because the look on his face, and he's just like, oh. Not Richard, uh, Billy? No, I think Tina's telling him about Audrey's son, Richard. Okay. But that's why Audrey's like, you're not going to even tell me? But, I mean, it seems to me that Tina says don't tell her. Like, yes. he says something about don't tell yes. her. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think... Interesting. I think, okay, my theory about Audrey, and I, I want to know yours. My yes. my theory might differ. My theory is this. Audrey doesn't know about her son. She had a nervous breakdown. Something happened to her. She has no clue she has a son. Maybe they don't even bring up ha- her having a son. Maybe she had the son and she had a nervous breakdown. She couldn't handle it, and they don't even bring it up because nobody said, "Where's the mom? Where's Audrey?" They 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 just gloss over. Right. Her. Truman goes to see Ben, and there's no talk about. Audrey. I think the whole town knows this. I think the town knows that Audrey's out of the picture. Yes. We don't even deal with the mom, and I think Audrey, it's a trigger. I think if. The therapist slash husband, I don't know yet, when he talked to Tina, coincidentally, Tina told him what happened. And then he was just like, oh, oh don't, I'm not going to tell her. Don't worry. And and then I think he's role-playing with her, have trying to get her through some stuff. 
but I feel like if he were to even say Richard, it might be a trigger that if they had done all this work to get her through something, it might bring her back. I have a feeling she doesn't even know she has a kid. Yeah. I mean, what's your take on all this? I th- right now, my, right now, my theory is she's in a coma. Yeah. My, I mean, in the last part, um, she kind of stood in one place for the whole time. In this part, she can't decide to go or stay or go. Mm. She doesn't know where the roadhouse is. She can't remember the location of the she roadhouse. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know who she is. So I do wonder: is she in a coma? Is she? Is she? Physically unable to move, mm. and if, if she's physically unable to move, I feel like that because she, she could be in a coma. She's not, she's not awake. She's not alert. So I I googled comas. Yeah. After all this, and there's a lot of interesting stories that people have said about comas. Can can someone be in it for 25 years? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's possible that people be in comas for a long time. But here's the interesting. I thought she could be in a coma somewhere in this. They could have a soap opera, soap opera on on TV. Sure. And she could be Invitation it. to love. Invitation to love. She could be hearing the voices and putting herself in that. Yeah. I read a story about someone said they the last movie they watched um, was like The Grudge, and they were in a coma, and they said it felt like they were stuck in a room with that grudge creature uh. forever. They, and, I mean, so the brain might be on a loop. Or yeah. something, and and people even said they would hear their parents talk. They would hear people talking in the room, yeah. but it was like a dream-like state. So, um, is Audrey stuck in a hospital somewhere? And um, could we both? Or you're right. Could she have a doctor there that's trying to get her back and trying to work with her? Mm. And she's hearing a doctor. And, uh, yeah. 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 Right. right. I don't know. So. And she yeah. brings up this line: "Is is this?" Is this well? It says Audrey doesn't know where the roadhouse is, and then it says, and 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 I think uh, Charlie says, "Stop playing games, or do you want me to end your story too?" That's where it gets interesting. This is where it makes me think maybe it's not a coma. Maybe they have role different playing. role playing. They're yeah. different scenarios. Yeah. And then she says, "Is this the story of the little girl who lives down the lane?" And when I first heard that, I think it's like, "Is this a kid story?" And I tried googling it. And it's like. It, it sounds familiar, like the mm. little girl. Maybe just the way that the the way it's structured. The little girl who who lives down the lane. I don't know, but there is a 1976 film with Jodie Foster in it that's called "The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane." Mm-hmm. And in this story, this girl seems, by and large, she's kind of stuck in this home. Like she can, I think she can leave, but she's here and she seems to be by herself. And there's this whole mystery about her parents like where are her parents and stuff and it gets but it seems i mean it reminds me a little bit of yeah. uh, that that can't audrey, leave. audrey can't leave if and, there's a mystery about her kid and, and there's something more to going on than than the character's willing to say do you know the premise of the movie beyond the because i don't know it, like i wonder if we knew what the secret was in that movie I, all right i mean 30 seconds everybody if you don't want to hear the ending i don't know if anybody's going to want to see this movie so the ending i believe we learn is that uh, her mother, I think, died, and then her, her father brought her to this home and then committed suicide. And, but he purposely wanted to commit suicide so that nobody would... Dis- but he did it in a way, like, jumped off a cliff so nobody would be able to find the body. Mm-hmm. So she's been pretending that she has a family or her father's always on business and stuff, but all along, she doesn't have any parents. That it's, She's all by herself. 
Wow. Okay. I think that's the that's the ending and stuff. But we have these other characters that are kind of trying to take advantage of her in the same in this situation. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. To me, it's this idea that there's more going on yes. than we're led to believe. So I feel like that's maybe the parallels between yep. the two stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it makes me think of a kid's story. I don't know. So there's a couple things like that she says. She also goes into, um, is this like Ghostwood here? And, of course, Ghostwood is a location. The forest is mm-hmm. Ghostwood. And they also mentioned the Ghostwood Project, was, which was, back in the day, Benjamin Horn was trying to get the land to basically, I don't know if he's going to do a golf course or he's going to. Yes, he, he wanted to buy the land. Right. He wanted yeah. to buy it. But that whole area of the forest is Ghostwood. So it's a strange thing for her to say, is it like Ghostwood here? Like, Does she not it, know where she is? Yeah. But, yeah. like, it's a I mean, what is she? I mean, when I think of Ghost 2 is like. I don't know, like, I don't know where I am. It's mm-hmm. a it's a phantom place. I don't know. I think she's lost. I think the coma theory works, but also the role-playing. She's, she's gone crazy, and maybe, she, yeah, she's mentally yeah. ill. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, she, there's an issue there, an underlying issue, which I hope every week we get to find out what. I hope next week we get to see more. Yeah, I hope we don't skip object. it. I hope so. Yeah. And so she wants to get to that roadhouse, and we, the viewers, get to go to the roadhouse. And what amazing treat we were treated to, James. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. The, we get the uh, announcer again. He would, he first came in when we had uh, the Nine Inch Nails. The Nine Inch Nails. And now we have the James Marshall. <laughs> the James Marshall. <laughs> James Hurley. James Hurley. James Hurley sings "Just You and I." Yeah. Same as old. Yeah. It was great. It was great. I loved it. I mean, James is cool. Yeah. So. For me personally, when I saw it, I I just yelled in my house. I just yelled out loud, "Oh my god!" Like none of us saw this happening, right. and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I really loved it. Um, did yeah? Did Lynch and these guys just say, you know, James had a bad run season two. We don't have to do much with this character, but we're gonna make him cool again. It's crazy in a way that, like, I feel like it's the exact same song. Like, I don't think they've, yeah, I don't think they've re- remixed it or no, done anything. No, it's no. the exact same song. But I don't know. Somehow it's cool, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, you know what helps? He's got an audience. He's got these crowds, and they're all digging it. And, and He's got the, the backup singers? Right. Maddie not, and uh, Donna? <laughs> no, they're not there. <laughs> they're wannabes, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we have this girl, Renee, who is... We, we go back to part two at the end of part two it, James has a crush on her and she's watching this and at point she starts crying and she's she's very moved but she's ex- she's moved beyond like I know this guy likes me I almost feel like are they dating is the song for me dedicated to oh, me oh yeah dedicated to me but like she was very moved by that like I always almost feel like are they in a relationship right now I also, my theory was, is this Donna Hayward? Yeah. Even that, though, even though the, t- the credits say she's Renee, yeah. I still kind of like, it's like, I still keep wondering, are we going to get a Donna? It's I don't like, know. I don't think so. At this late in the game. I know. But if we were to get a Donna, this would make sense because this would be her song. This would be like the song that James sang to her and Maddie. And Maddie, <laughs> who's dead. So she's out of the picture. Yeah. 
but so Donna can have it. It was a little odd. Like I, I thought I could feel her, that she was connected to it and felt like it was being sung to her. But I think she went to a step. She where really I, cried a lot, man. She was really uh, moved by that. And I think let's be honest, you don't have like, to cry that much. It wasn't that, you know. <laughs> it was good, but it was. It yeah. wasn't that good. Uh, this isn't Candle in the Wind. Yeah. And so what I also thought about was that, like, okay, we're getting James Hurley. We're getting a familiar face who sings. Mm. We Probably not that far off from getting Julie Cruz. I think we know Julie Cruz is supposed to sing at some point. She's going to be the last one, man. You're it's right. going to be the last but one. But it's still kind of cool to finally get a familiar face that's singing I, here. I liked us. it a lot. Yeah, I really liked it a lot, liked too. It. I, the lighting, I thought he did a great job. You know, I've been really getting into these anime gift things. I don't know if you ever noticed this on Twitter. Yes. I really love the idea of, like, showing stuff from the old and in then the bringing new. in the new. And so I did do a, I did bring James, old James and new James together. I liked and it. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, it was yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> and I just want to say, you know, I really recommend, I mean, everybody should own Brad Duke's Reflection book. I mean, that is an excellent book. I still have your copy. Yeah, and I bought, I, you know, you probably can have it because I, I also bought the digital version. I know, I, I, I got to finish reading right. it. But, but yeah. they, they have a great story about uh, how they came up with Just You, and it was interesting to see that James Marshall had a part in coming up with that song. It was actually David Lynch who's like, oh, you know, what kind of song do you want? And he's like, oh, I like a 50s song. And like, and what was that? Like, there, there was a, there was just you, just you. Yeah. Right? Or, yeah. They, 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 I think they started with, with songs that they already knew. It's very familiar. You hear right. it, you, your brain goes 50s, that kind yeah. of doo-wop. Stuff. And it's funny. That, so I mean, I then, I, and, the, and then in the studio, I think they, they basically had already done the whole recording of the guitar without James Marshall, even though James Marshall would know how to play the guitar. <laughs> and I think they, because they had already done it, they, they basically had a key for him and like to have him have to sing in that key, which I think took him a couple times because, you it's know, it's very high. It's very high, but I, I think it's a, it's a very memorable song. We all love it. And I think it was great to have that at the end there. James is cool again. James is cool again. And so the show ends with Ed at his gas station drinking some soup. Yeah, well, it, he's drinking some soup, and this is a scene that has become quite the talk of uh, social media. And the crazy thing is, you just told this to me today, and I didn't you, even know about it. Like, I, Did you see it? I did. I watched it because I, I wanted to find out for myself here. And it's creepy. It's creepy. So we should let people know what we so, saw here. So in this scene, Big Ed, he's looking, and he kind of something catches his eye he looks bewildered and the camera turn you know the camera flips over it's an over-the-shoulder shot of the cars driving by yeah and and looking through the window of of the gas station you know i i'm like okay what is he looking at and then it cuts back to him and he lights a piece of the top of the uh, matchbook lights it on fire and continues eating uh i was bewildered Uh, i was like well okay that was weird Online, Reddit users, uh, people pointed out, said, hey, look, look at this. He's seen something. There's a reflection of his uh, face. I think, I, you know, maybe I did briefly hear somebody say they thought it was Bob. And I kind of shrugged it off and I was like, whatever. It is like, him. It is him. It is him still moving in this reflection. He's still, he, he's okay. still, he's picking he, up the cup. He's got the cup and he's still drinking it. And it, from the shoulder shot, it, he doesn't have it picked up. Yeah. The shoulder shot, when he's staring out the window and his, his reflection is still moving and he lights something. And I'm wondering if that was sort of like an indication to see what he was really looking at. Did, did that person, his reflection, 
light that up. Yeah. I did watch it again, and, like, it almost looked like an edit. Like, it was a strange... It almost looked like a strange edit. I, it's, a, it's a very bizarre thing. I watched it several times. I couldn't make... See, like, this is why I, I don't get it, because if he, he, if he was physically at this place, he was physically there, that would have had to been CG'd in or do, done in right. separately, intentionally. If this was a green screen, he the over-the-shoulder shot, if that was a green screen and they were using footage of him drinking and that, that reflection got on there and then they just put those two together... It was an accident, but why would they use a green screen for that? that it it makes a, no it sense. It was either a strange edit or they were able to CGI into the glass. Like they were able to That's take, what I'm thinking. Right, not even a green screen. I think somehow they could just add in. No, yeah, what I'm yeah. saying is if it was an intentional, if it was an accident, it makes no sense how that would have right. been an accident. After rewatching it, it does look like he's almost bothered by the glass, and that's then he kind of shrugs it off, and that's when he starts playing with the fire and stuff. Yes, but, and I, uh, you know why I think that? I'm like, he's a bookhouse boy. The bookhouse boys have always believed they, they 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 protect the town from the stuff out in the woods, right? Right? We know this. Yes. We don't know much about them because we know. I wish we'd get more into it. I was hoping, and we still have a few more parts left. It, but it nice but isn't have... there a bookhouse boy book coming out? There's a Bookhouse Boy book coming out. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yes. It might be a notebook or something like that. It's, I, I think there's a, it's a real book. Yeah. I think it's a real book. There's something in there about this. But I'm wondering if he saw something, and that was just something they do. Here's another thing. is that, So, I mean, this, for me, this is all a bit about time. Is it possible that there was just a time shift? That, like, the time shifts don't match? Like, he was... <laughs> He was drinking his soup, and like there's a flicker, uh, uh, some kind of uh, glitch that made the time. Yes, I guess I think there's another glitch. I think that glitch could have happened the same time Sarah Palmer was having her glitch. Possibly, yeah. All these glitches, glitches could have been happening at the same time. Or these glitches could just be happening. It could be like it could be like the handshaking in I want to mm. say episode twenty seven of the original Twin Peaks, where people's hands started shaking. They didn't all happen at the same time, but it was like something is happening. Something is it's it, happening it, again. It's happening again. That you know we're, we're building closer and closer yes. to this big finale in Twin Peaks. In Twin Peaks, and the the beginning of it is just flickers and just static and mm. just sounds and reflections. Maybe maybe the woodsman being in Laura. In the Palmer's house is causing, or in the whole town, we don't even know the whole town. Yeah, and there's a lot of pain and sorrow happening in this town. People aren't happy. We're not getting happy endings right now. Everybody's still like in a a state of turmoil. Like they're not where they want to be in life. We have Big Ed. Not he's not even with Norma, and he looks depressed. He's drinking to go soup. I mean, life isn't going that well for him. But I kind of believe this pain and sorrow is like it's going through the town. We have vomiting girls. We have all these weird itchy, itchy, yeah, sparkle. (laughs) We we have Jerry Horn running through the woods. I mean, a lot of bizarre things are happening that are going to lead to something. I think so. I was very, very happy with this part. I thought they did a great job. I thought... I thought they packed a lot into this show, and uh, oh. I can't wait for the next one. Totally agree. Um, so we'll go into community feedback. Um, I want to say a big thank you to everybody we got to meet last at the festival. I would yeah, say so last awesome. week, but the week before. Uh, it's all blurred. My, my, I'm having time <laughs> shifts right now. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. 
Uh, but it was awesome. And thank you for everybody that uh, talked to us and we got to talk to and we got to meet. And it, it was just just an amazing experience. It really was. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like still just in, enjoying it. I'm still like. I'm still on your high. high. I'm such a high. I'm on a high that I still, you know, I haven't even got all my pictures. I know. I've been I dying know. to see them, Ben. You're killing me. Over I've here. been trying to get collect all the pictures and, and share them with you. And I think we'll share some of them on social media. Yeah. yeah well, I what I did was on our Facebook page, I did splits. Yeah. I did the original locations and where nice. we were. And a lot of people like those. Um, and we. If you like us on Facebook, we have a lot of photos and videos from our trip. Please check that out. And we actually, we're very close to hitting 1,000 likes. Awesome. So keep liking us on Facebook. I'd like to hit 1,000. But Carrie wrote to us, I think last week. Carrie writes, thank you so much for broadcasting the recent podcast from the Twin Peaks Fest. Episode 12 wasn't my favorite. But listening to you guys with others made made it more likable to me on the rewatch. And I think we've we've already stated that with us. Also appreciated the Cheryl Fenn interview as well, which thank God we got to put that out. Yay. Very exciting. You guys do a great job. I'm training for the Chicago Marathon this year, and I'm often driving to meet my run group in the morning. Knowing your podcast is waiting for me in the car is motivation to get me moving. Thanks again. And that's awesome. That's really cool. I'm glad we could be there for you. That's (laughs) awesome. But you can like us on Facebook. You can message us on there. I'm always on there. You can leave comments. And like I said, every week I post a photo. We get the conversation going. And this one was a big one. People were had theories, comments like crazy there was a lot and it was funny how many like film references i found that it could be related to it was it was was really cool yeah very cool how's twitter going twitter's awesome we've reached over fifteen thousand followers thank you that's so cool that is so i love having all these different followers because we're always talking about different things and i'm learning new things and we're sharing and it's just it's really cool and it really helps us put together a really good show when we have all these different things that we can reach into uh, we have partnered partnered up with T Public, it's a T-shirt company. Ben. You hear about T Public? Yes, <laughs> yes, very exciting. Um, they do T-shirts, they do mugs, all that wonderful stuff. We actually have our own merch store. So right, very cool. Very cool. Right now, as you're listening to this, in the show notes there will be a link. You can click on that. It will take you to our merchandise store, Twin Peaks Unwrapped store for T Public. Starting from today till Sunday, we're going to have a little Dougie special for you. 30% off. You have to use the code TPU Launch. That is T P U L A U N C H. And what kind of shirts do we have there? We have our cool logo. And Andy Bentley made that. He was very you, nice Andy. to partner with us with, with creating some cool shirts. We're going to have some cool stuff maybe on a weekly basis. Also, we have our um, banner, the cassette banner. Yes. Um, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Yeah. yeah. I think they're very reasonably priced for uh, for a t-shirt. Like, yes. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. And I think what with the sale, is it like 14 bucks or something like yeah. that? Yeah. It's something like that. Something but like it's that. Like, it's like... I don't know. I think I. It's a good deal. (laughs) We got our shirts that had the same logo on. I went and made it like right before the fest, and I think it was like twenty five dollars each. So if you guys want to get the shirts, it's cheaper than when I bought. I got the shirt myself. Yeah. So you want to support us? This is the way to do it. Just hop on there and um, 
buy a shirt. Uh, I don't think we're gonna make millions or anything off this or anything. But no. like, what we're, we we hope to do is, you know, this money will go towards the show. Like that's yeah. what it is. I mean, we pay for uh, storage for our servers. It would be great if we could start if we ever wanted to go to some other fest. We could save up for that or mm-hmm. other projects. It all. Basically, it all just goes back to the show. The link does live at TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com. That's where our show lives. There's a merch link right there. You can click on that. Along with our Twitter or Facebook, you can email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or theories. But we're not done yet. I, I think I think we're in so much excitement because you know we've been away and not in the studio that I feel like we want to talk so much that we are going to talk with Josh from the Red Room. Hey, Josh. Hey, Josh. Hey, guys. You know, I listened to the Red Room podcast for at least three years now, so it's kind of crazy to actually get to talk to you. I feel like I know you just because I listen to your show all the time. Yeah, but... we, we finally get the good oh. one on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I am the good version, uh, by the way. In case, that's So everyone knows I am... Uh, the the Roger Ebert of the pair of us and, and Scott Ryan is of course every hey look every everybody has one so one of you guys is the Siskel we all know it so hey thank you guys first of all you put on a fantastic show you're one of the two Twin Peaks podcasts that I listen to oh, every awesome. single week so well, thank you thank you for for doing what you guys do it's a wonderful show oh yeah and, ah. I, and I love your show and I love that you guys do more than just Twin Peaks that you guys talk about Fargo or, 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 or just any all TV. Yeah, I, I, I really liked um, when you did your top 10 shows of the year. Yeah, that was really and good. And it made yeah. me like, like when you guys talked about Atlanta and stuff, I'm like, oh, I gotta watch that. Like, it, it made me think of stuff I totally forgot about came out and you guys uh, reminded me it existed and to watch it. Well, thank you, because that's absolutely the reason that, that Scott and I started. First of all, we don't agree on nearly anything. So <laughs> that, always, that always makes for a compelling show uh, in, in and of itself. And then and secondary, we always look at television as art. Yeah. Um, you know, it, television has the, the capacity to move the culture of our country in a way that no other art form does. So it's super important. Cool. Totally agree. Yeah. And, you know... Josh, I thought Scott was a big Twin Peaks fan, and it definitely seems like at least this with this new series, you seem to be really into Twin Peaks. Well, I'll be honest with you guys. Uh, I never watched Twin Peaks before I met Scott. So um, imagine, if you will, you know Scott Ryan. Imagine if that was your journey <laughs> into watching <laughs> Twin Peaks in, in the year 2009. Uh, wow. So no hope whatsoever of ever seeing anything beyond Firewalk with me. Uh, the missing pieces weren't even on the horizon. This was literally a 22-year-old show that no one cared about, really, except for you know a few, maybe 30,000 people around the world, huh. right? I'll be honest with you. It was super dated when I watched it, and it, my mind was still reeling from shows like Deadwood. I was obviously deep into Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, and, and you know my, my appreciation of television was at a different place than the old Twin Peaks was. But when it came back... Uh, I, like you guys, like every other person in, the, in our Twin Peaks community, uh, I was all in. And uh, I got to tell you, I a thousand percent love this show. I think it is going to go down in history as, as being one of the greatest shows of all time. Wow. Totally cool. agree, yeah. And so you've been doing this skeleton key. Can you tell us how this came about and maybe explain for people who don't know what a skeleton key is? Yeah, well, so first of all, it explains absolutely nothing. <laughs> You're not going to come here and find out 
any of the mysteries. Look, I'm not John Thorne. I'm not Scott. I, I, don't, I don't look at it as critically probably as most people do. You guys included with that, Dave Bushman, for sure. But, you know, what, what I do very well in my own uh, professional life is business analysis. So I take complex data sets and I make them simple so that, you know, even a CEO <laughs> could understand it, uh, which, you know, that's a, it's a, a small skill set, right? So when I got to episode or part three uh, of this return, and that was the, the episode with the uh, Purple Lodge or whatever we're calling it, right? Mm. I thought, boy, I wish I had a cockpit with which I could see where uh, Mark Frost's narrative is being deconstructed and then reconstructed by Lynch as he, you know, builds these scene sets for us. So I set out to uh, create exactly that, a tool for myself to try and understand what exactly was was going on in the show. Yeah. So we can start from there. And so if you will, and it's very hard to describe this thing uh, with words when you don't have it on the screen, but I'll do my best. And for Think people, of a cockpit. And for, just to let people know, you can yeah. go to uh, theredroompodcast.com and you have the skeleton key there and you've been updating it week by week. So people that want to follow along. That's right. Yeah, it's actually the homepage and will be until uh, Twin Peaks ends and probably about a month after that. So every part has its own page. But when you go to the Red Room podcast, every major uh, skeleton key that's been released uh, now 13 episodes, 13 parts uh, is in chronological order with links to the deep to the deep page. Cool. So. If we could just take a black rectangle in your mind and imagine that you had a, uh, a mixing board, okay, and uh, picture David Lynch and Mark Frost standing over this mixing board. And then, you know, I'm thoroughly convinced that Mark Frost wrote a linear script to this show oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then handed it you know, to David Lynch and said, do what you're going to do. The only caveat is I have the final word because I've already published a book that takes place after this show. And there's going to be another one that comes after that because you need two last words when it comes to to David Lynch, right? (laughs) Uh, So I I love this story already, right? And the idea that Lynch is going to take it, maybe throw out 20% of the script. I I, I don't know, you know, you just got to allow for that when it comes to David Lynch. He's going to second guess himself and change as he's actually filming things. So, uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, we've got a completely deconstructed linear script that's essentially been Pulp Fiction, right? I think that's a consensus in the community now is that we've got multiple timelines, fractured scenes, uh, loops that are going on within the same scene, just crazy, crazy things going on. So how can we possibly put our arms around this thing? Well, my approach was to go part by part and break it down in terms of narrative, right? So, you know, my, my history and training comes from a writing school. So I deeply appreciate Mark Frost's ability to kind of rein in David Lynch when it comes to story. (laughs) And, And I, I do think we're telling a very, very rich story right here that's multifaceted. I mean, if, if I had to put a literary reference to it, I would say the closest thing is probably James Joyce's Finnegan's Wake. Wow. Um, it, it, it really is a work of art on a scale that's never been shown on television before. Um, and, and the vitriol in some of the community is, uh, is testament to that, right? So the idea of just breaking it down by narr- narrative. So if we just take the first part, if we can all remember back to that first part, and remember the first scene was Cooper sitting with the firemen or the giants as we knew him then. They're listening to that old old style phon- phonograph, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was 
That was scene one. It kicked off. So that's a narrative. Cooper, I, in my mind, I'm like, Cooper escapes. That's a narrative. And it turns out that as of the airing of part 13, we've now seen three hours, 20 minutes, and 42 seconds of that story wow. of Cooper escaping. Yeah. So something? just consider that. That's amazing. That's like, you know, a, a fire walk with me and a half. Yeah. That we've seen of Cooper coming back from the Red Room. So... You know, we didn't even see the main storyline of that part one until about 32 minutes into the episode, which was the woman dying in Buckhorn and all of the things that happened. I mean, that was 21 minutes and 12 seconds out of that entire episode. But yeah, we didn't even see it until halfway through. Mm. So just juxtaposing those two things, you can see how David Lynch has completely obfuscated what the main storylines are in the show. And if you didn't have a tool like this, you would be almost lost at sea, like tossed around the ocean, just hoping that these images would coalesce into some type of meaning. Well, I don't like to do that. <laughs> so I like to apply as much analysis as we can. Like, I'm not trying to figure out what's going on. I'm certainly not uh, saying that this is an authority on what the mysteries are or what the, you know, the, even the secrets are in the show. But I do believe that we can, as a community, agree that this is the story being told in this scene. And then we can look at it over time to see how it changes and evolves and, and sometimes merges and gets dropped. Right. Right. And is it definitely by looking through so, all these parts, yeah. I would say looking through all these parts, it definitely seems like the Cooper escapes or the Cooper storyline is the most important thing to the show, which I think we all know that anyways, but it's interesting to look through all this. I think eventually a lot of these main storylines are going to converge. So ultimately, I think Cooper escaping and Mr. Seed's plan and the FBI finding Cooper uh, and Hawk is you know missing something with the log lady. And right. to a point, revisiting you know old Twin Peaks characters are all kind of the same story. And when yeah. we add all of those numbers up, that's like 60 to 70 percent of the show of what we've seen so far. Wow. Wow. I also like how, like, in part three, we have major a lot of Cooper escape and a lot of Mr. C's plan. And then we look at part 13 and we have the same thing. So it's interesting to see through this, you say, oh, here's times where we, we're, we're putting the major focus of the good and the evil together. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating. What do you take from this? Like, by, by being able to look at this, have you seen trends or do you are you taking anything away from this or are you really just – kind of re recording this and, and waiting to the end to find out what happens. It, it, pr pretty much the latter, but you can pick out patterns in here. So especially in like the first, I would say two to five, two to six, you can see that Cooper's story is the predominant story of, of Mr. Cooper slash Dougie, right, coming yeah. back. And Mr. C drops in and out. And one of the things I really like about this tool that helps me a lot is on a part-by-part -part basis, uh, the, the large section over there on the left-hand side, you can actually see the dials that they're turning up and down. So, for example, in part 13, you can see that they actually turned the Mr. C has a plan narrative up 127% wow. over average. So what that means is it actually adds up all of the minutes that took place in the previous 12 episodes, divides them by 12, and then compares them to the, the percentage of minutes that, that were taken during this episode. So we can really see these guys just uh, kind of grabbing that dial and going, no, 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 we need to turn up revisiting Old Twin Peaks almost 200% in, wow. this, in this episode, and we're going to completely turn down Shelly's daughters with the wrong guy. You know? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. That's the, really cool. I'm interested to see patterns, definitely, when it's all said and done, to see the, the kind of patterns. But this is so cool. 
Yeah, nice I'm glad working. you're you're explaining yeah. this because the first time I looked at this, I'm like, what am I looking at? <laughs> well, yeah, it looks crazy. Yeah, I mean, and and it was it took me probably two to three weeks to actually nail down a system and it's always changing. So like Hawk's map, it's a living document. Um, You know, the next iteration I think I'd like to do with it is to kind of give small numbers to each of the scenes so that as a community, we can actually answer this question of timelines. So, you know, in my mind, I'm picturing like post-it notes that I could just lay out on the floor and say, this is the Mr. The Mr. C's has a plan timeline. And that happened before this and this happened before that. So we can really get like a three-dimensional view of where these scenes are scattered when we can answer that question, right? There's not a whole lot of dates in the show. That would be really cool. I know we were just talking about that. Uh, we were just talking about uh, part thirteen. Yeah. And we were starting to getting into our. It doesn't seem like it's in chronological order. I would even say like you look at Diane and she's wearing a green shirt and then a red shirt and she kind of goes mm-hmm. back and forth between parts. And it seems to me that they're out of order. So I would love, I would love it if you can do that with this or yeah, if somebody can come. up. I don't have the time to. <laughs> I don't have the time to yeah, work right. it all out. But you're right. Even if you get a community, if we could find a way to say as, as a community, can we figure this out? It could yeah. be something. Yeah, I always saw it as kind of a tool for the Reddit community. You know, they're, they're fantastic at just picking things like this apart. And there's some brilliant people out there within that community and within the Twin Peaks community in general. Uh, look, all of us are smarter than one of us. That's for darn sure. Yes. Yeah. What a nice job. You did so, an amazing uh, job with this. It's really it's yeah. really so cool. See, <laughs> I mean, I love that it's color-coded and it's very easy to read and figure out. And, and, and I sometimes think, like, oh, you know, Dougie Cooper hasn't really been done much. But then to be able to spread this out and say, wow, he has been very involved throughout the parts. And like you said, especially the first six parts. That's right, yeah. And, and I also like to be able to look and see how much time has been spent on certain things. So a lot of people either complain or love the Roadhouse endings, right? Well, yes. Yeah, that's been 20, 25 minutes of our shows over 13 episodes wow. that's been dedicated to bands on the stage. And when you start to consider that, you know, you can get a little bit angry, right? And say <laughs> things like, why am I wasting that when I want to see when Cooper comes back? Or, right. you know, the fact that, you know, what I consider the Richard Horn is evil narrative has now taken up 35 minutes of all of the script it's almost five percent of the show that we've watched and so you compare that to what audrey's gotten she's only gotten 13 minutes on screen right now that so wow it, yeah it, it's sobering almost when you when you look at that now uh the, the question marks that's two things that's obviously what happened in part eight nobody knows what that is <laughs> right. uh, we all have our suspicions and nobody knows it's a mystery and the box so that's the box where uh the lady calls the phone and it, the two lights blink it could be the box that cooper calls in the prison when all the lights flash oh, yes. we're not quite sure that that's a hard cut it may be a lie i'm not yeah. sure yeah Interesting. That's something. Oh my god! I was thinking, you know, so you mentioned like the whole Big Bang. I'm sorry, the Bang 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 Band or the you mm-hmm. know the Roadhouse music. It's kind of funny in a way that you know in the old series we would have these long openings. I don't know if they were two minutes long, but we used to have a long uh, opening se- sequence that they did. They've kind of shortened yeah. that down, and then we now a lot of the uh, the parts end with long endings of the Roadhouse. So it's kind of in a way they've kind of flopped it in some mm-hmm. ways. They've kind of. Say, hey, we're going to have our music at the end. 
But I think that's fascinating. Yeah, if you think of it like a sentence, it used to be a capital first word in the sentence, and now it's just an, an exclamation point or sometimes a comma <laughs> yeah. at the end of the sentence. Yeah, interesting. I was actually going to ask you guys what's what's top of your mind right now for for Twin Peaks. Like, what what do we need to be thinking about right now as we go into part fourteen? Going into part fourteen, Audrey. What I mean, going into fourteen, I'm hoping we'll get some some sort of uh, cap to the Audrey story or. At least something that tells us exactly what is going on with Audrey. We all have our suspicions. So, yeah. Yeah. What What do you think is the worst thing that could be happening with Audrey? I'd love to hear both of your opinions. On I've never even talked to you about the worst thing, <laughs> Brian. I, this is something I thought about. The worst thing is I'm afraid that she could be dead. I'm afraid that like she's like I don't know she's in the red room or she's in a heaven or something like that. That's like my worst fear that mm-hmm. like she's not even alive anymore. Well. Wouldn't that? I think. I think that would go with the fact. My worst fear is a theory we talked about. If she truly is in a coma, yeah, and this is all playing out around her, and she's subconsciously taking it all in, and this is all just inside of her head because she's just stuck in a coma. To me, that would be the worst outcome because it's depressing that yeah, she's just laying she can, in bed. She can wake up. I mean, there's hope that she can. But we only have a few more hours <laughs> left of the show, and I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that, would, for me, would be a heartbreak is if we got to some ending and it just shows her laying in bed in a coma. Yeah, and it ends that way. And, ends yeah. up, and Josh, yeah. what, how about you? Well, so I, I kind of agree with you guys. So the first week she was out there, I would have told you, and I did tell many people, I don't believe the psychiatrist thing. I don't believe that you know she's uh, trying to play this out in her own head. But last week kind of threw that into a tizzy because the idea that she didn't know how far the roadhouse was, but yet it was a major point of focus. I mean, it's almost like someone is in a coma and they're hearing these conversations around them as nurses come in and out of the hospital room and, Oh, somebody got their stuck, their truck stolen. And, and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, Tina's doing something. So it's like her brain could be assembling that. And, you know, maybe if Mr. C does come back into Twin Peaks, which I will submit that I believe he was the one that tried to run Trick off the road, um, oh. that maybe that that's a destination he's going to head to. It's some type of a permanent care facility where Audrey's been for 25 years or whatnot. That would be probably the worst thing. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I guess not, especially with this last part, my other fear would be, what if this isn't Audrey? Like, you know, she's saying she doesn't know who she is. And, like, what if we turn out to be that is, isn't Audrey at all? It's, it, it could be... Uh, it's very Mulholland Drive. Yeah. This it, is very Mulholland could, Drive. It could yeah. turn out to be Annie. You know, oh, like, God, I know, yeah. but what if... It, like, I think about... I think, Is it Caroline, well, Caroline it, and, and, yeah. and Annie? That yeah. They, yeah. they were both in intensive care at the same time, right? So yeah. Annie, we know from the, the missing pieces that Annie was wheeled into intensive care at the same time Audrey would have been right. there. And Mr. C spent a lot of time in intensive uh, care. So, um, you know, we don't know what he was doing in there. It's been intimated by Doc Hayward, but it was right. never said outright. And we just, we just frankly don't know. But right? yeah, Annie could have heard enough of, of Audrey's story, and maybe they were talking, and that she started thinking she was Audrey, and then we, we wake up. Yeah, I know. This I is don't all. Think that yeah, way. we don't yeah. think that way. Yeah. Well, jo- so, Josh, it's, re- it's, re- it's such conjecture, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> We'll be, we'll be arguing about this for years and years. And, and I actually don't expect that there's going to be much resolution in this show. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I, I don't know that we'll see a full Cooper oh, come back. That's that, devastating. See, that's what but I'm... But I'm okay yeah. with it. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I'm enjoying the, the Cooper 
in his life right now. And I was talking to Ben. I, I think we were talking about this off air. And I, I honestly believe maybe we'll see an awakening in Cooper near the end because it's going to go back to Laura somehow. It's going to go back to the Palmer's house. And he, he's going to have to be there. But I don't know if he's going to be 100% the Cooper we know. He could still be in Dougie mode, for all we know. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, you know, I've been a fan for 25 years plus, forever, you know. And like, I, I don't know what's what's worse, having having never having Twin Peaks back, or then bringing Twin Peaks back and having getting him out of the Black Lodge, and then him still not being himself. Like it's almost like he's still trapped. He's still. It's almost like he's still trapped in the Black Lodge because he's stuck yeah. in this state of not really there so it's like i don't know what's worse that you have this zombie you almost have a comatose cooper that isn't functioning so i i think that would be devastating to me to wait this long and not have cooper back so i don't know i can't i wrestle with this yeah it's a tough one well i i tell you guys this is why i think the show is already successful like regardless of what happens at the end because the story that i believe that's being told here is let's just go back to the beginning we had twin peaks a town that has been you know, possessed and tortured by demons from the from the woods for a long time. Those demons are slowly moving closer into the town. When Laura Palmer dies, that's like the tipping point, right? It has invaded the most pure soul, quote, that, you know, everyone has in their minds, right? And yeah. then we get this knight, this knight of light, uh, Dale Cooper, who, you know, carries as much goodness as darkness as he does as he comes into town to, you know, try to rescue the, the princess who's already died, by the way. Apologize for the dog. Uh, res- <laughs> rescue the princess who's already died. And he goes to face this mortal trial where, you know, his love uh, for, for Annie, his love for Laura, his love for the world and, and life in general is the thing that slows him down and allows the bad part of him to escape, mm. right? Mm. And then now he's completely, I believe he's split, and we've got as good as Cooper was in the world, and he was, you know, he chose the good, he was an agent for the good. Now we've got the equal component of bad out in the world for 25 years, yeah. who has started setting up from the beginning a way to subvert whatever system is in place with the Black Lodge, the Red Room, you know, I, I think that that's like a release valve, that, that 25 years that ensures uh, you know, it's, it's basically making sure that you don't kill all the chickens so they stop laying eggs. You could think of Garmin Bosia as eggs. Hmm. Uh, but Mr. C is so bad that he can possess Bob. Like, he can trap and hold Bob for 25 years. It's a good thing you're still with me, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then suddenly Bob gets back out. We don't know what happens to him. I believe he re-entered the timeline with the bomb. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Mark Frost gave this away in his book when he said that Jack Parsons went out to the desert a week before the Trinity explosion. Yes. And uh, an eyewitness said that he called a fire demon. Well, Wait, was, they were working like on rituals. They were working on a ritual, the, the, right. the moon child. Yeah. So well, it was That's based right. on the book, and, The Moon Child stuff. So I agree with you. I like that whole idea that it's, there's a ritual going on and maybe that ritual opened up a gateway to let things out. And maybe the experiment yeah, and, that and, couldn't get out. But So Bob and maybe this mother of horrors or whatever. And this is, by the way, a theory I heard by John Thorne on your podcast. It got me thinking a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when that bomb went off, it 
who knows what it did. Did it rip open a, a door in time and space? Did it magnify the horror of Bob? Did it, you know, whatever happened there, it was big enough that the giant immediately calls forth this golden orb, you know, gold being the most pure, immutable substance in the universe, mm-hmm. this golden orb that has the face of Laura Palmer. And did she re-enter the timeline as well? So all of that is there, while in the meantime, Dougie, who is the good version of Cooper, right, pure good, so good that he's innocent, like a Christ child, right? Yeah. He's danger. He comes back into the world, and through his innocence, he actually lands in the worst possible place, which is the city of sin. Yeah. <laughs> is there yeah. a worse place for sin than Las wow. Vegas? Yeah. But just by his spiritual nature of being good and innocent, he actually changes the hearts and minds and spirits of the people around him to the point where Bradley uh, Mitchum has a dream and sees such goodness in this man and, and has these images of a cherry pie and he follows his heart to the point where he makes the right choice. And all of these people who were formerly bad are being converted, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we just yeah. saw it last week with the confession with Anthony yeah. Frank Sinclair. All, and so he's, he's amassing this army of light around him, which I believe will feed will defeat the the evil that Mr. C is, is conglomerating around him. We can see this happening in tandem. Yeah. You know, Mr. C is starting to gather all of these darkness, you know, around. It's almost like the stand with Stephen King. Yeah. Right? yeah all yeah. of these dark people are gathering around him and all the light people are around Dougie. And if that, you know, becomes the cliffhanger at part 18, where these, all these forces converge in Twin Peaks, which we know is kind of this, this fulcrum of, of both negative and positive energy. Well, damn, boys, that's like the greatest damn TV show ever put on TV. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah. 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 I mean, you're can right. It get, can it get better than that? You can't get I, I mean, Dougie's got, he's got the Mitchum brothers. He's got Candy and Mandy. I mean, he's got all these people on his side. Right. They're loving him. And now you got these hent. And he's done nothing. Yeah. He's spoken like 30 words. I know. Yep. Yep. It's about, and these all these people that he kind of helped they were they weren't great people at first but he seems like he did make them all better people yeah they all uh, we were talking yep. about on the show that in a way they all got a heart they all got the courage, the courage well uh, Tony got his courage we're back to Janie the wizard e. laws. Yeah. yeah look at Janie E's smile yeah oh. compare compare her, her smile and her her heart and her spirit in the show compared to what we saw in part three so when true. we first met her yeah right? maybe that was part four I think it was part four so you know if we don't get Cooper back. At the least, we can watch what was the best part of Cooper spill out into the people around him, and maybe we have 300 Coopers mm-hmm. that can help heal not only Twin Peaks, but the, the rest of the world around him. Yeah, now, I'll awesome. be satisfied if that's the ending of Twin Peaks. All right, you sold me, Josh. <laughs> you sold me. That was, that was a great pitch. That was. <laughs> I see why you're, I, I see don't why understand you're, the negativity. Uh, I, love I really it. don't. Like you go out to some of these sites and people yeah. are just furious about this show. They can't. It can't move fast enough for them. And I'm like, guys, this is right. this is a meditation on good and evil at probably the most important time of human history to, to think about those things. Yeah, you, you know, you got to enjoy the ride sometimes. And I think um, the 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 instant gratification of a Netflix or something has definitely mm-hmm. changed our viewing habits. And then here comes David Lynch saying, I'm going to give you an 18-part movie 
and it's going to be at David Lynch's pace. Yes. We all, and if you're a fan, honestly, you know I what you're getting yourself that. into. I do love yeah. that. I do love that he plays with the audience and he does his thing. And yeah. I actually love Kyle McLaughlin's performance. I think he's done an amazing job as yes. as Dougie. Oh, yeah. and he's done a great job in Mr. C. And I've been enjoying every moment of it. There's still just that part of me that's I like, know. I want Cooper back. I want Cooper. But I, I am. Yeah, I, do, sure. I love it every every week I've been enjoying it. It's been so, yeah. so good. I mean, you want to have that nis- that nostalgia feeling to see the old Cooper, but. Sure, sure. Uh, but, you know, this show is not – the nostalgia is used against the viewer in this show. So mm. if you approach this show through nostalgia, there's going to be pain involved. Yeah. Which, you know, given Mark Frost's uh, penchant for theosophy and, and David Lynch's, you know, focus on meditation, that is a core tenet of, of many Eastern philosophies, including Buddhism, that the more you hang on to those things in the past – they actually become the anchors that weigh you down and cause pain and misery. So if that's wow. a lesson we could all take, yeah. so be it. Cool. Yeah, definitely interesting. I like that. So, Josh, I wanted to mention uh, uh, the Red Room podcast, and I recently was listening to uh, episode 135 where you had your son on the show with you, which I thought was a great show. Oh, I did. That is Thanks, so cool. Man. That Thanks. is so cool. He's super happy about how that turned out. And uh, believe me, I was the most surprised because I've been trying to get him to watch Twin Peaks for like two years now. And he's pretty young, but, um, you know, I, I think he came to it at the right time. And, uh, boy, is he all in now, guys. He's he's building Lego sets. He's got the sheriff's <laughs> department built. He's got the double R. And it got, it got Scott's approval. Scott was over here uh, yesterday. Nice. He went through and he's got all the little mini figures built out. It's become an obsession, and and you know what? Compared to what most kids are, lo- are thinking about oh, at fourteen yeah. years old, I'm super proud of him. Right? That's that so is, cool. That I have awesome. a son. He's only nine years old. He wants to see Twin Peaks. I won't let him see it yet. I think I, I try to find little pieces. Like, okay, you can see the Red Room the from log the original lady. scene. Yeah, yep. I've seen some Log Lady, maybe intros or something like that. But he loves it. He loves that I'm very excited about it. And he, yeah, he only knows. He, originally, he thought the Log Lady was the star of the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. and she is. It should always. She will always be. But I thought, what a great show. And I know you guys just came out with the next show, too, where you guys are, I think, focused on uh, 11 through, yeah, 11 through 13 with uh, David David Bushman Bushman on, that you guys have had on. Awesome. Oh, man, David Bushman. David's a great guest. We've actually known him for a few years. And he used to come on and just just torture the crap out of Scott about Mad Men, because Scott's absolutely wrong about Mad Men. Don't (laughs) even get him started. Uh, Uh, But, you know, Bushman and I would always gang up on Scott. Yeah. yeah. I would say 90% of the time, but you know what? He likes it. He gets <laughs> off on it. That's his thing. We love he you, Scott. He definitely wants to go against the crowd. Yeah. I yeah. Love Scott. yeah. Uh, it, you know, most people don't realize that Scott is a genius when it comes to television. Yeah. And he'll tell you about it every time you talk to him. I think you guys are great. I think you guys are great together. And great I really team. enjoy yeah. listening to you guys for years. I, I think, has it been six years, seven years you guys have been doing your podcast for? Yeah, almost six years. Six years, um, yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy to think about, uh, but it's really, you know, given both of us kind of this uh, this avenue, like you guys, to be able to share our passion with the community. It's been really good to us. Yeah, so cool. I, I think we should try to get the gang back together when season two of Stranger Things comes back. That you was a lot of fun. Yeah, we yeah. we all got we were Josh, all was Josh there on that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can't remember. Oh, I yeah, I was on it. Oh, yeah. Cool, yeah. Cool, yeah. It was so many people on that podcast. It was a lot. We were like, take a number when you want to talk. <laughs> I mean, next time it's gonna have to be like two hours, and we're gonna have to dedicate like ten to fifteen minutes for each person to talk. But uh, oh boy, that was fun though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was so much fun. Show. Were we covering? The, we were covering the whole show though, weren't we? Yeah, I think we were covering. Yeah, the whole season. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was after it was over. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. A good time. Yeah, we have to do that. I yeah. It's, it's only October, right? Halloween. Uh, yeah, it comes out in October. We should yeah, definitely do it again. looks to be just as good. Yeah, I'm very, very excited for that. Well, thank you, Josh, we for your time. after Twin Peaks, guys. Can you believe that? Yeah. I know. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about how quickly it's gone by. And I we mean, got a month left. That's just Four great. more Sundays. Oh. That's depressing. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, because it's oh, one slipped September away last 3rd. Week, only four. One more month. Yeah, September 3rd wow. is a two-parter. Well, you know what? I mean, I compare this to the time that we live in, like when Harry Potter was being published and you didn't know what was going to happen in the next book. You know, this is yeah. a, a moment in time. Mm. I think we're all enjoying it as much as possible. And we're going to have years and years to talk about and appreciate. And hopefully all these NDAs will drop so the actors and the writers can, can start to talk again. Yeah. yeah. I think we're going to crack open a whole new nut, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Uh, Charles Dickinson had his own piece too where he would do these these small installations. And then even Stephen King years ago did The Green Mile. And yep. it, it started off as these installations where you wrote like sections and stuff. I, it's funny, I never compared it to yep. that, but it really is like that, that we're getting these parts that are like... I mean, that's why they always say it's a movie, right? That uh-huh. we're getting a little section of the movie. And it will be fun to, when it's all over to rewatch it again and and get, you know. I like it. the whole, we all get to experience this together, you know? Because I was like behind, you know, I'm watching it and you guys yeah. all knew, a lot of people right. knew. And I like this, we're all in this together and enjoying the ride. Absolutely. And it's a lot totally. of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would love for us all to get together and watch all 18 hours in a row, just rent oh out a theater gosh. or something like that. That would be crazy. How, how great would that be? Brian says that, too. I feel so old. I'm like, I don't know if I could do it. Well, here. Uh, you, you know what? We would we would, we would would rally together yes. to, to make sure. And you can sleep during it. It's fine. Sleep during the bang bang. <laughs> so I, this is a little piece of news I just heard. Uh, Showtime is going to air all the episodes Sunday leading up to the finale uh, starting at 4 in the morning. That's really cool. And I, I was trying... Holy tra- moly. Yes, and I'm thinking I could just wake up my normal time, put Showtime on, and just leave it on all day. And, like, leave it on in the background. Right. You know, you stop, you go, oh, I want to watch this part, or just have it going. That's and cool. And it'll get you in the mood. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And yep. I I wish that I, I agree though, Josh, I wish they would do a movie and we talked about that. Originally Showtime talked about them might being in I'm sorry, in theaters. That there was talk about actually mm-hmm. showing this in theaters. I think that would be awesome to actually be on a big screen and we all could be there uh, to hang if out. If we could watch the finale um, Buddy, in the if theater. I could see part eight in a the theater. Yeah. I'd oh pay my twenty gosh. bucks for that. Yes, me yeah, too. I know. Yep. Uh, one other thing I'd like to mention to you guys. I don't know if you ever heard of these Phillips Hue lights at all. You know, these lights that are uh, they're, uh, LEDs that can change color? Okay. Well, okay, yeah. they've got these now where if you put them in the room where you watch television, you can actually sync them up to the lights of whatever's on the screen. Huh. So I've done this during the past three episodes of Twin Peaks. And so just imagine, like, watching part three where he goes into the, the Purple Lodge oh and the lights just match. It's that's it's a, an experience that I would recommend for everyone. That's well, a good investment trippy. in the theater room if how that is wild yeah i'm gonna check this out that's really cool yeah it's good stuff i'll send you some links yeah Yeah. cool cool well josh thank you so much for coming on the show it's so cool do you want to tell people how uh they can follow you and about the red room podcast yeah for sure so redroompodcast.com is a great spot at redroompodcast on twitter uh i'm at jb minton uh on twitter 
And, um, you know, you can find us all over Facebook, you know, uh, Brian, Ben, Scott and I, Dave Bushman, John Thorne, we all travel in the same path. So uh, also there's a new Facebook uh, discussion group, the Blue Rose Task Force, that mm-hmm. anyone is welcome to join. It's an open, uh, positive community. Please feel free to drop in and definitely go subscribe to the Blue Rose magazine. Scott, John, Courtney, and Maya are, are just creating an amazing, uh, you know, a, an amazing piece of art for the fans that comes out three, I think three times a year, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. great magazine. It's yeah. like brings me back yeah. to the days of wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's a great magazine. That's right. Cool. That's thank- right. Guys, thank you for your show. Really love it, and it's been an honor to be on it. Oh, thank you. And same to you. We love your show as well. We are Audie here. We'll be back next week. We're going to leave you with a nice little cover. Rabbit Troop Forever doing their cover of Just You. Together